Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Actually, it's not good. Um, found out my Browns might do without a quarterback. Actually, <laughs> now here's here's the dilemma I'm in. Because the NFL is appealing to Sean Watson's six-game suspension. That would, what's her nuts, Sue Robinson is recommending. <laughs> the NFL is appealing that. So he may get to play all this year because if he appeals, because the NFL wants to indefinitely suspend him, and that means at least a year, a full year, he would be suspended. And it's already been said that Sean Watson and the Players Association is going to sue if that happens. And if they sue, Watson can play right away. He can start week one. So, yeah, we might get to Sean Watson this year, but we're kicking the can down the road. And eventually we're just going to run out of road and <laughs> he might get suspended forever. Well, I know in Major League Baseball, and based off of what you just said, I, that leads me to believe it's the same case in the NFL, that you are you are allowed to play during the appeal process, and you will then get suspended at the end of all of the hearings when everything is finally concluded. So it sounds like what could happen, and this would be, this would actually be better for me as a Steelers fan and a, a somewhat Browns hater, um, hmm. as if Deshaun Watson actually got his suspension at the end of the season instead of the beginning of the season, that might actually work out better for people who have a rooting interest yeah. against the Browns. Yeah, uh, it's listen, I've, I've made it known. I, I have no expectations for the Browns ever. Even with this team, arguably the most talented team in the history of the Cleveland Browns, I have no expectations for them. I, I, I don't expect them to win just because I'm not expecting Deshaun Watson to play. At the end of the day, I don't think the NFL is bit serious about wanting to do this, about wanting to take this into court, because they know they're going to court if they suspend them for a year. My assumption is they're going to settle on 10 games. That is my assumption. Well, depending on how long that takes, that could be um, first 10, middle 10, last 10. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a – this is one of the worst spots to be in as a team. You have a star quarterback. You just paid him money, and he's going to get suspended. You just don't know when. Yep, uh, which is a lot of fun for me because I, I – oh, my gosh. I love the Browns saga, the Browns soap opera. We have many times on this show just constantly gone back and forth and just naming some of the famous follies that have taken place in the history of Browns lore. Uh, from the Johnny Manziel, uh, Billy football <laughs> um, incident in, uh, in disguise in Las Vegas to, I think, uh, to Mr. Whitehead threatening teammates or uh, threatening people on Twitter while still in pads. Yep. There are few things that I find funnier than the Browns being the Browns with some never before heard of uh, storyline of dysfunction. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. It's just going to add more and it, it just, it's just going to make you more frustrated and just more face palming type moments. And that's what this podcast lives for.
The great, the great thing about my fandom with the Browns is I know when to pull the cord. I know when it's over. I know when the season's over. I think last year it was the Cardinals game when Baker even got even more hurt. I think that's the game <laughs> that really killed him because he hurt himself trying to make a tackle trying to become Ronnie Lott on an interception in week two. <laughs> and then you could tell it was hurting him. He, he had the Chargers game. The Chargers game, he was surgical in that game Baker Mayfield was. And then the Cardinals game, he got hurt really bad. And I think he missed the next game. He, he missed a game in case Keenum played the Broncos on Thursday night and won. Um, I think it was the next game. But I think that was the game where it really – I don't even remember why I got to that point. Uh, my favorite, about? my favorite game of the Browns last year had to have been the end of the Packers game. As a oh my god, I had COVID. It was Christmas. Baker Mayfield. I had COVID, and Baker Mayfield ruined Christmas more than COVID. <laughs> that I was, was literally alone on Christmas. That was <laughs> that was fantastic. There was also. The uh the the game that Baker Mayfield finally put it all together, the Chargers game. Uh finally yeah. the offense got to show off their stuff and the defense, defense took let him up... shit. <laughs> uh, we had a great defense last year. Yeah. It, like one of the best that you guys have had since moving back. A little bit. Or I guess since expanding if we went to the years, They've moment. always Every once in a while, the Browns would have, like, a top-10 defense when it didn't matter. They would just win four games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, I, now, I do, too. I, what I also, as far as the misery index of Cleveland sports fans, which I uh, tend to get a kick out of, as I've ex- hmm. exclaimed already. So do I. Um, the, yeah, well, th- that's, a, that's a thing that I like about you is that you're good at making fun of people who identify with you on a lot of things. Buckeye fans, Browns fans. Uh, The one thing that I haven't heard you really shame your own kind for is uh, Guardians fans, which I would assume that you have to be a little bit upset that the Twins did pretty well at the deadline. And I don't know if I heard a peep out of the Guardians. The Guardians' loan trade was actually with the Twins. Oh, really? Yeah, it was some slapdick reliever who just sucks, and we traded the Twins' Sandy Leone, who's a catcher. Um, oh, sucks. yeah. So it was it was more of the, the Guardians just kind of – because they, Francona said he didn't expect them to do anything. And the only reason I'm really mad about it is because the Twins got better. I, I can get behind because they have a log jam of players that need to come up. And one actually made his debut today, Tyler Freeman. Got a hit, no big deal. But um, <laughs> they got a lot. They brought up another kid after the All Star break who might get some first base. They sent down Fran Mill because he sucks. Um, so it, they're doing addition by their farm system. They have a ton of guys that need to come up. They have some sort of nightmares to it scenario with the 40-man roster this offseason that to take care of. There could be some tough decisions coming. Uh, Shane Bieber is actually sex guys like that. Um, but, guard, but Guardians fans are they're not unrealistic. I think Guardians fans are like the sanest fan base in the city. I agree because I 
have long said that Cavaliers fans uh, need to have some standards for themselves the way they let LeBron just hit it and quit it whenever he wants to. Um, so I, that's my beef with Cavaliers fans. Also, uh, many Cavaliers fans became Heat fans and then rejoined the Cavaliers. That's a problem. Ah. I, I don't have, think that's uh, true. You know, okay, maybe not. I don't in think Cleveland. that's true. I, okay, that? maybe not in Cleveland, but no, definitely not in Cleveland. It that they hate. We hated LeBron. There was but, one. One of my friends in high school was uh, a LeBron fan, so he became a Heat fan. And yeah. we would just, I would, I de facto became a Pacers fan because the Pacers were really good at that time. We're yeah, not a fan, well, but I would root for the Pacers to beat the Heat or the Bulls. Uh, big Derrick Rose guy, everyone knows that. Yeah, about yeah, whoa. Look, and, yeah, look how the tides have turned now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Derrick Rose, I, I heard that you were going around school saying Derrick Rose was going to be a Hall of Famer if he didn't get hurt. Oh, I was going around the lunch table saying Derrick Rose is the best player in the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, the same people who are shouting out LeBron's the goat were also shouting out Derrick Rose sure won ten championships if he didn't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, people are yeah, Dude, but, I, the Columbus Cavaliers fans all jumped onto the Heat. I promise you, a lot of LeBron jerseys going around feel, in my middle school. Yeah, but I feel like Columbus fans were only Cavaliers fans because they're sort of kind of in Ohio. Oh. Well, they're they're in Ohio, but yeah, I was thinking Cincinnati, but they're they're just so far away from Cleveland. I, they don't have that attachment that we have with our team. Yeah, ge- geographically speaking, Cincinnati's an hour closer to Columbus than Cleveland is, but there are way more Cleveland fans running around Columbus. Really? Oh, absolutely. More it's, than Cleveland? Uh, no, I said there are way more Cleveland fans running around Columbus. Than Cincinnati, more oh, Cleveland. Yeah, that I just misheard you. But uh, yeah, I would say yeah, I would say that's fair. Although you do you do make a good point though. You make a good point because I do think that a lot of people in Columbus were Cavaliers fans just because they were Browns fans, not because they were actually really interested in basketball or LeBron fans at that point. Well, all right, that that's that's true. Just the, the Cavs have been good. The Cavs have been good three times in their entire career, in the entire history of the franchise. The '90s with Mark Price, the first era LeBron, and the second era LeBron. They haven't been good any other time. They're going to be good, I hope, but they've only been good three times in what, 52 years. When did they start? 1970. Ooh. Yeah, they were an then- expansion team. Yeah, Price and Dougherty and uh, oh, yeah, um, Craig Elo was a little stuff. decent. Um, yeah, uh, Larry Nance. Larry Nance. Thur- was Nate Thurman on those? Teams? Nah, he's no. Let's see, 1990. Sean Blimp. Yeah, it's 1990. I don't even know what years because I don't think it was mid 90s. I think it was right when Jordan was starting to have his run when the a Cavs young, were good. A young big Z. Well, that, well, he yeah. wasn't good on those. Teams, I think they, but I think they were the one seed one time in the in the nineties. Really? No, they weren't. But they were the second seed twice. Well, that's um, good. On that team. I mean, hell, that was Steve Kerr. Crazy. I forgot him. Uh, Hot Rod Williams. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's intense. Mark Price was the real deal. He is a he was he's one of the, I think he's one of the more underrated players. He's he was really good. I agree. He could he could shoot too. He, he could shoot. Pass. He had a he, he had a, a ten assist season. He was really he's, good. He was a he's, Mr. fundamental. He's, yeah, he's still one of the, I think he's one or two like all time in free throw percentage. I think Steph Curry may have passed him, but yeah, he's he like he, yeah, he was really good. He is he's one player I wish I got to watch. Huh? Man, the if you, if we did the greatest Cavs of all time, okay, LeBron. obviously LeBron. Yeah, huh. is Mark Price number two? No, I put Kyrie too. Uh, by the way, I, I was reminded of this recently. And no one talks about this because no one cares. But I don't think anyone remembers that Big Z followed LeBron to Miami and was playing for the Heat in 2011 with him. Have you ever seen the um, the video of the player intros for that game? Um, I'm going to guess that Big Z got cheered and LeBron got trashed. Oh, Big Z got a massive ovation. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron was the first guy they like they announced LeBron Wade and then Bosch and they all got booed. Obviously LeBron got booed. I think Udonis Haslam was the other starter. And then Big Z was the last guy they announced and the stadium went fucking bullish. <laughs> oh, I love it. That was so it. awesome. I love how they just decided to forgive him, even though he did the exact same thing. Although he was not yeah, he really didn't good, though. So he, he didn't, didn't go on an hour long sports center special to drag it in our face. Okay, that, yeah, that's true. He didn't. He didn't announce to the entire world, "Hey, Cleveland's not good enough for me." I think they made a rule about Big Z, to be honest. Oh, like a because he got traded to Washington for Antoine Jameson, and Washington immediately cut him. And then, like two days later, he just resigned with the Cavs. So I'm confused. What were the rules then? I think it was something like you can't re-sign with a team that just traded you that season. Let's see. Zydrunas Logowska's rule. I think. I think. Yeah, the 30-day waiver rule. The 30, An NBA loophole that must be closed with news that Zydrunas Logowskis was brought out, bought out, and returned. I just lost my place. With news that Zydrunas Logowskis was bought out and will return to the Cavs after waiting 30 days. The issue of the rule allowing players to return to their last team after being waived came to the forefront. While the NBA determined there is no proof of a previous agreement that the Wizards would waive Ogalskis, it is likely that there was a wink and nod that accompanied the deal that brought Antoine Jameson to Cleveland. Huh. So I think I think they tweaked the rule. I don't think they created a new rule, but it's something like you can't. Oh, hey, actually, here's one about Andrew Bogan and the Warriors, and it's called the Zydrunas Sagalskis Rule. Let me see if I can find it. This article is awful. It's just all links. What the hell? That's because Golden State – Andrew Bogan, who went to the finals for the Warriors the past two – this was in 2017. He re-signed with the Warriors. With the trade deadline passed, the Sixers will likely buying him out, leaving it to the seven-foot Australian free agent, the sleep forgot agent, to sign with anyone except Warriors. At least that's what they thought. That's because Golden State traded him last July, and the NBA has a rule that prohibits teams from trading a player and then re-signing him during that same league year. Okay, yeah, so I was correct. 
How about this? So you can't. So if you're traded, you can't go back to that team until that until the league year is complete. Uh huh. Okay, that makes sense. I guess. Um. Yeah. All right. I don't. I guess I don't have a huge problem with that. Although I don't. What was that full trade? No, if you're a free agent, then who cares? In my opinion, but. On March 23, 2010, Ilgowski signed a one-year deal for the remainder of the season. He made his return a day later in a win over the Hornets, blah, blah, blah. In his first home game, again, blah, blah, blah. Quick and Loads Arena was officially renamed the Z for the day. Oh, I remember that. When they were doing player introductions, like like instead of saying LeBron James, they called him LeBron James or something. Like everybody's name started with a Z. It's like he was gone for a day. What are we doing? <laughs> That's oh my gosh, that was hilarious. I'm curious what this full trade was because there's no way they just traded Big Z straight up. I I got it for you. Uh, okay. He was traded. Okay. Sent Antoine Jameson from Washington to Cleveland. Al yeah, Thornton I think it was a three-team from, deal. Yeah, Clippers were involved because Al Thornton mm-hmm. went from the Clippers to Washington. Drew okay. Gooden went from Washington to the Clippers. And you guys also got Sebastian Telford. Uh, wouldn't Drew Gooden have been on? Oh, I thought Drew Gooden was would have been part of that deal. I mean, I thought he would have been with the Cavs at that time. <laughs> That's I cannot believe that Zdunis Ogalski has got. Well, I mean. Why did people like him so much? Just because he was seven foot three? No, he was good. He was a good yeah, player. But he was kind of seen like, uh, like you know how the Thunder retired Nick Collison's jersey number they because did. yes, which is disgusting to me. Why? Even if because he was there for a long time and he was there <laughs> for they. I think they said something like they really value that, that he was there from the move from Seattle to Oklahoma City and, I, like, stuck okay, around. I get that. I get that. That's, I get that. That's kind of cool. Okay, point B. He was just there a long time. Yeah. He didn't, like – he was a sixth man for his entire career. Not a Manu Ginobili sixth man, by the way. No, certainly. Like, a, a, a talent-based sixth man. Well, let's but, not go besmirching the good name of Manu Ginobili. Uh I was I was actually giving him credit, saying that he went there for like strategy purposes, not because he was not one of the five best players on the team. Now, uh, two All Star appearances does not get you in the Hall of Fame, and so th- that's me besmirching the good name of Manu Ginobili. Emmanuel. Guess who else had two All Star appearances? Zidrunas Ogalskis. Yes. Look at his uh, NBA reference page now. I am doing just the same thing, and I see that he had. Wasn't he a decent mid-range shooter? Yeah, he could shoot the ball. He really I, developed it later in his career, though. I see 15 points, two and a half blocks, and eight rebounds a game. That's I just remember season. LeBron, like, him and LeBron had, like, they were very tight with each other. They liked each other a lot. That's probably why he followed him to Miami. And because the Cavs were like, yeah, this ain't going to work anymore. We're just going to get rid of everybody. <laughs> we're going to run out there with Baron Davis and Alonzo G and Anderson Verjao. Although Anderson Verjao almost became an all-star and then he hurt himself. And that was very tragic. 
Didn't Anderson Vergeau have one season where he – the opening game against the Wizards, he had like 22 rebounds. Yeah, he was very – like like Big Z. Like he had moments and seasons where he was like, wow, this guy's really good. And then he just couldn't – he could never put it fully together. And then he went like to the Warriors. Like when LeBron left, he had two back-to-back like really solid seasons. Now that might be just because he got more touches, but – yeah, the Brazilian Anderson Verge now. Slideshow. Played with the Cavs oh, two years ago. People forget. Yeah, he came back. Yeah, they brought him back as like, oh, well, shit, we were eliminated three months ago. <laughs> we need to sell tickets somehow. Might as well bring back Big Z. Yeah, Big Z and uh, Big Wait, Z. Wait, no, you guys made the playoffs. What are you talking about? When? This past year. Oh, I wait, said no, two years is... ago. Oh, 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 oh. 2020, 2021. So last yeah. year. Or two years ago. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? I know what you mean. So Juan Soto. Ah. He was traded. Just better be worried. For uh, yeah. a plethora of players. All good. It was a good package. I think it's a good. I think it was a solid deal on both sides. The Padres are the obvious winners. Because when you have a prospect. You hope and pray every night that he turns out like Juan Soto. And you just gave up Juan Soto. Before Juan Soto's entered his prime. I know who the obvious loser is, and that's Luke Voigt. Yeah, that sucks for him. (laughs) I wouldn't put a hit out on Eric Hosmer's head if I was Luke Voigt. (laughs) I would be so mad. Uh, How much is Luke Voigt making this year? I don't know. He was good for a very short period of time. Led the league in home runs uh, the COVID year. Did he really? Led the American League. So he's making. So Luke Voigt is making five million this year, and he's under club control for the next two years after this one. That's tough. He's the a- Nationals need to sell some tickets. The Nationals need you selling tickets the next three years, buddy. Yeah, he's a he's a kid, and so he's um. He's thirty one. Oh, he is. Oh yeah. Oh man, I I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was really young. Yeah, he was My a goodness. late call up. I think he got uh, called up with the Cardinals and then dealt to the Yankees. And that's yeah, where he's... the the. Uh, I think they got Giovanni Gallegos, who is now their right bad closer. Speaking uh, of your Cardinals, your Cardinals. Well, so to speak. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. What, what's the how are we feeling about Jordan Montgomery in St. Louis? How are the people reacting? Well, I've learned in my two months here that Cardinals fans live and die with every single game, which is a lot of fun I love it. as long as you're not one of those people. So I really enjoy watching that. Um, a lot of calls for the GM to be fired for not uh, getting. So, so Cardinals fans had specific names that they had in mind. It was, a lot of it was Soto, but that was kind of a pipe right. dream. But they, they really, really wanted Madison Bumgarner. Um, okay. Or just a, a guy with experience. Uh, On that now, deal? Well, they're not – it's not their money that they're spending. I know, <laughs> but as a fan, like, I, 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 I think the same thing too. But as a fan, I can see that I have to think about money mm-hmm. because they're thinking about money. 
I, I mean, it, Montgomery hasn't been awful this year. The big, the big names were Frankie Montas, Jacob yeah. Rizzi, and Madison Bumgarner. So they were very disappointed that they didn't get either of those guys. Two of which got traded. Yes. Uh, not to them, though. No. Uh, Frankie Montas is going to be pitching in a Little League ballpark. He's going to be in Williamsport. <laughs> and uh, Jake Odorizzi, in, a, in an interesting move, I actually was very perplexed. Uh, not the most interesting move involving a relief pitcher. That went to the Padres and the Brewers, which yeah. was, blew my mind. But Jake Odorizzi and Will Smith swapped places. So that's really fascinating. That's a win-win for both. I like that. I like that move from both teams. I think uh, I think both pitchers, uh, particularly Oda Rizzi, maybe need a. Uh, this is such a, a Fresh start. dumb dumb piece of logic, but they both need a change of scenery. That, right. That's that's what you always say when someone used to be good and now they're not. Yeah. The way to the way to rediscover that is to just go somewhere else. Oh, oh my gosh, Cody Bellinger needs the he needs the like that Eric Thames KBL it's league. It's sad what happened to him. Because he was so goddamn good. What's he doing this year? He's hitting 206, 264 OBP, 383 slugging, 647 OPS. Got 13 bombs. That's cool. How do you have 107 strikeouts in 96 games? Uh, you get addicted to home runs. His MVP year, he only had, he had 108 strikeouts the whole year. Like, listen to these numbers. In his MVP year, he had 47 home runs, 115 RBI, 305 batting average, 406 OBP, 629 slugging, 1,035 OPS, 167 OPS plus. Led the league in total bases and intentional walks. Like I don't, I don't understand what happened to him because it was the next year he sucked. Same with well, Yelich. But Yelich has been Yelich missed like the final two months of that season though. Oh, right. Yelich, it was the was one of the worst players in Major League Baseball in the 2020 season. Oh, yeah. It, it I remember because Cleveland had to play him a bunch. And he was. Cleveland had to play the Milwaukee a bunch because they were playing in that – you were the Central played the Central, yeah. the East played the East, the West played the West oh, dude, kind of bubble. Dude, the Pirates were mowing him down. That's how I knew how dude, bad he was. Like, my team is, like, striking him out every time he goes up to bat. In 2019, Yelich led the league in batting average, OBP, slugging, OPS, and OPS plus. Hit 44 bombs, and then the next year he was the worst hitter in baseball. He's been did, decent this season. Did he win MVP in 2018? Yes, he won in 18. Belich- okay. uh, Belich- Yel- Bellinger won in 19. Because I, I, I had thought that Yelich was going for back to back. So then, hold on. He should. So, all right. So now let's go to 2019. Because it was Yel- Yellinger. It was Yelich versus Bellinger up until the point where Yelich got hurt. But Anthony Rendon also had really good stats. Who finished second, Yelich or Rendon? Uh, Yelich did, so I'm assuming Rendon finished third. And then he got a bunch of money and has done nothing but hit one left-handed home run. Yeah. <laughs> With that yeah, he finished third. He led the league in double. Rendon led the league in doubles and RBI that year. He had 34 bombs, 319, 412, 598, 1,010 OPS. Like His first year in Los Angeles wasn't even all that bad. I know it was the COVID year, but it wasn't even all that bad. Now that I'm looking at it. It's not something you want. <laughs> not for it's that not price. what you want for the amount you're paying them. 
Right. And obviously, 2021 was tough for him. And 2022, he he played 20, 58 games in 21. He's only play he only is going to play 45 games this year because he got hurt, and his numbers just aren't good. So we'll see about Rendon. He's 32. There's still the potential there that he could break out. But yeah, he yeah. was awesome during that whole playoff run too. Mm-hmm. Juan Soto, and by the, the way, got robbed of a World Series MVP at 21 yeah. years old. Because, or yeah, actually, did. it may have been 20. Because. He would have been, he may, I think he was 19. Because his first year was before that, and he got called up when he was 18, I believe. And then, yeah, because someone just had to give it to Strasburg. He is, he's 23. He's a couple months younger than me. Which, by the way, has he Steven turned, Strasburg pitched since the World Series? He tried to come back in this year, and it just hasn't been good. Um, <laughs> he got he, he was on the disabled list or injured list, and came back, had a start, was awful, went right back on the injured list. Well, but he you know, turned. You know, the Juan new Soto's, Strasburg is is the Grom. That guy's hurt every single year. Oh, did you see him last night though? Five innings, no runs. He hit one hundred two in his first at bat. Back, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> But hey, Juan Soto turned 20 years old during the playoffs that year. Ah, I see. That's crazy that Juan Soto is younger than me. <laughs> he's he's getting ready to sign a 500 million plus contract, and I'm over here scraping a few dollars together to bet on the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. <laughs> oh, come on! Don't be too. Listen, I, just, I got I got to. I, I like to see the Hall of Fame game as just a friendly little wager between me and the sports book. Just a friendly <laughs> little $25 bet, no big deal. Just kind of have to get the blood pumping, watch some so, football. So then what do you call that Vikings-Falcons Thursday night game, that $25? Serious? Another day at the <laughs> office? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, the Hall of Fame, I think Trevor Lawrence isn't playing – for the Jags. Oh. And Jags their other this year. quarterback has been playing. What's that? I'm telling you, the Jaguars, I am convinced. I, I'm convincing myself more and more by the day that they're going to win the division, which is an irresponsible yeah, thing to say. Stinks. That but, division stinks. And I have my theories about running backs, particularly Derrick Henry, particularly, particularly the big ones. The big running backs, dude. All it takes is one injury. When we saw from Derrick Henry last year, now – Mm-hmm. The the dam has broken, and now Derrick Henry is going to be injury prone for the rest of his career. That's my that's my fantasy football. Uh, nobody will ever be as injury prone as Arian Foster was, but poor guy. There, uh, Derrick Henry has now reached that status. I went back and watched Arian Foster highlights the other day because he's on a podcast that I watch regularly. Regularly, whatever, and he really was that dude. <laughs> He was that dude. He's a pretty smart guy, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's very smart. I know that he was on Rogan one time talking about the NCAA yeah. and how they treat athletes. Yeah, he's a he's a good listen. He, he's ever on a podcast you like, but he's on a, he, he's a co-host of a podcast I do listen to. Or I don't listen. My new wave is I don't watch TV. I watch podcasts. That's my new wave. I like that. Because if I'm watching TV, I'm just going to be watching, like, SportsCenter or whatever. 
So I might yeah. as well just watch podcasts. And I just don't, I can't listen to something through headphones and work at the same time. I just can't do it. Uh, I, um, this this has nothing to do with anything aside from the fact that we like barely mentioned football, but my friends were talking about the best receivers of our lifetime because one of my friends was watching a bunch of Antonio Brown highlights and he said that uh, upon review he had Antonio Brown as the third best receiver of our lives behind Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, and he also made a point to say Tyreek Hill is way closer to being the best receiver of our lives than we would like to admit. He didn't say he was number one, but he said he's way closer. Um, he's right with the first two, Randy Randy Moss and Megatron are one two, whichever order you want to put them. I put Randy Moss one, but that's me. Um. I think Julio is probably better than Antonio Brown. Um, but Antonio Brown's top five for sure. T.O. is up there. That's my quarterback. Terrell Owens. Chad Johnson could be up there. Who are some good players who were had a really, really, really good peak but just did not have the longevity? Uh, just not Not only receivers, but... I also saw that Anthony Barr signed with the Cowboys, and I was yeah. thinking, man, that guy was one of the better linebackers in the oh, league yeah, a couple, couple years ago. And he signed a one-year deal. I don't know. I don't even remember what happened to him. But um, I'm just trying to think receivers here. Uh, Demarius Thomas with the Broncos. Yes. yes, rest in peace. He was a monster. That guy was – any screen pass you threw to him was going 80 yards. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a good one for you. Mike Wallace. Yeah, man. Wow. His, his career kind of went downhill. when I, Did he go to Denver after Pittsburgh? Miami. That's right. Oh, how about I Sammy Watkins? He was really good for yeah. a very short amount of time. Mike Wallace. Let me see your stats here. Yeah, Watkins was really good, too. Um, he had a couple decent – seasons with Miami but he his uh in 2010 and 2011 with Pittsburgh he had two really good seasons he had a thousand yard season with Baltimore apparently oh my gosh I knew he went to Baltimore but yeah two pretty decent yeah Mike Wallace is definitely one of them I think Emmanuel Sanders might yeah he had a really good year that was back when uh every single Bronco pass catcher just became awesome because of Peyton Manning that yeah, his was, first, uh, so he Julie, left Julius Thomas, the tight end. Right, yeah. He left Pittsburgh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And his first three years in Denver, he averaged um, 93 receptions, 1,292 yards, and seven touchdowns per season. Pretty hey, good. Yo. Yeah. And then no he kind of fell off the map. He's still, or is he with Buffalo still? Who? Oh. He was there last year. Manuel Sanders. Oh, I forgot. It. Was he with the Saints? No, he's a free agent. He was with the Saints for, I think, a season, but he was with Buffalo last year. He is a free agent. Hmm. There's got to be other people who, oh. Allen Robinson was really, really of a Jacksonville before he got hurt. Yep. And he, also, Blake Bortles was his quarterback, so I didn't do him any favors. It remains to be seen. 
obviously his career is still sort of young, but Odell Beckham Jr. could become one of those guys. Mm-hmm. I still think he's awesome, though. But what about you could uh... really you could really tell in the Super Bowl when he went down, the Rams' offense was just thrown completely out of whack. Yeah, and then, um, man, the duo in Chicago, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey together. That was for, yeah. for like a split second was deadly. Hard to believe Jay Cutler is the best quarterback in the Bears franchise history. Uh, just about, dude. I can't name anybody. Yes. Jim McMahon was the quarterback of those. He, yeah, he was, he was there. Oh, uh, Josh Gordon. How can we we have this conversation without mentioning Josh Gordon? Uh, Yeah. He had two seasons. Well, I mean, that's something. There were two. Yeah, he had two really good seasons. Like, two unbelievable seasons. And then couldn't stay on the field. Oh, there's got to be some. He's with the Chiefs. Oh, he, or he was last year. I, th- I think he, he was with the Chiefs last year. I don't know if he's still there. I think he is. Josh Gordon. Yeah, he's still with the Chiefs. And if you look up, yeah. I looked up Josh Gordon, and the first top story that came up is the title is The NFL Doesn't Care About Women. Huh. That's, uh, I, I think, a little bit off topic from the Josh Gordon conversation. But... Well, it's probably mentioning Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon literally missed seasons because of weed. Uh, yeah, that's pr- he probably gets a, a brief shout-out in there as just, oh, yeah, by the way, remember when Josh Gordon did that? Man, Josh Gordon, he led the league in receiving when he was 22 years old. He was a monster. Hey, Brandon Whedon was a baller. It wasn't Brandon Whedon. It was... It was Hoyer, Jason Campbell, and who else <laughs> played for that team? Let's see. Take it, play. it was Jason Campbell, Brandon Weed, and Brian Hoyer. Hmm. Um, have the Dolphins had have the Dolphins had any good receivers in our lifetime? Uh, Jarvis Landry. Oh uh, yeah. He was, he was um, good. Uh, they had to have somebody. Chad Johnson know, was there for like 10 minutes. Oh, my God. No, he was a uh, – He got caught like in only, training camp. Only the, but... Yeah, because I think he was like – he head-butted his girlfriend in yeah, the he got car arrested. or something. He got arrested. He, it was on Hard Knocks. They were Hard Knocks that year, and it showed him getting cut. And it was kind of a – I don't think he should have got cut. Because – there's a NFL YouTube page that's just been posting old Hard Knocks episodes because the next the new season starts uh, on Tuesday with the Lions. And oh yeah! I was watching the Dolphins one, and he got cut, and they made it seem like he was like the worst distraction in the history of humans. Chad Johnson, like yeah, we can't <laughs> have like not condoning what Chad Johnson did, but like I don't know if I would have cut him. Oh, yeah, apparently, know. interesting nugget from that episode, actually. That was the year they drafted Ryan Tannehill. And there was a scenario where he just wasn't going to sign. And he was, apparently, if you just don't sign, you can just go back to the draft next year. 
You can do that? Yeah. Or I don't know if you could, still could do that, but they, that was a point in one of the episodes. They're like, yeah, he's threatened to just go back into the draft next year. Because there's nothing you, – you're not forced to sign with them. You don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, I, I got to – They may have amended that rule because that was like 300 years ago as far as I'm concerned, but – I just oh, oh, but Bo Jackson, he um, wait, I thought the Buccaneers traded him. The... All right, can you enter the NFL draft twice? This is a question that someone posed on Reddit, and I'm going to read the top answer. The only way they could do this <laughs> that I know of is that they are drafted by a team they don't want to play for and hold out. If they hold out all season and never sign. They can enter the next year's draft. That's what it was so, the next season. So this, I guess you just have to do. I mean, because you can't go back to college, so you just got to sit out for an entire year and train. But I don't know, man. Like, if you're in position show- to um, sit out a full year and just go back into the draft next the next year, it doesn't matter. You can just sit back and train. I, I might consider that if I really, really hate the team or Yeah, like if if I were drafted by like the Jets as like a quarterback, I would say you best better come fucking correct with this contract or I'm just going back into the draft. So I do not want to play I wouldn't want to play for dysfunction. No, I wouldn't either. The only exception was personally I would play for the Browns. Just because. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to play for, like, the Jets or the Jaguars or, like, any of these dysfunctional teams. The G- Giants. Um, Let's see. Look at the 2013 Browns now. What a fucking team. I'm so confused. About when what? Was this, about Bo Jackson and trying to figure out whether or not he was drafted. And all right, so he was drafted in '86. Yeah. He went. That I understand. Um, he was. I think he told in, Tampa Bay, "Don't draft me." Yeah, because he thought. Because he his season his baseball season at Auburn was cut short. Because apparently he was taking meetings with the NFL that he wasn't allowed to as a college athlete or something. And he, he thinks Yeah. He thinks that the bucket his he always thought that the Buccaneers leaked that information to Auburn to end his baseball season to force him to focus on football. And so he stuck it to them by saying, I'm not playing for you. So he, yeah, he told them, don't draft me. They drafted him anyway, and he refused to play for them. So then he focused on baseball. Um, sort of like Elway. Oh, he was drafted in the seventh round the next year. Really? Wow. Yeah, so in the 86 draft. Was he a supplemental draft pick? No, just like 100-something overall. Huh. So, so in, in 1986 – he was the number one overall draft pick. 
He refused to sign with the Buccaneers. The next year, he becomes a seventh-round draft pick and decides to play both sports. Yeah, why? Like, I understand I would want Bo Jackson, too, on my team. But if he's saying that he's just not going to play for you, why would you even tempt wasting the number one overall pick on him? Not only that, he had an entire career in front of him in baseball. So there were yeah. really good options. And an NFL team, because I think Elway, Elway was drafted in 84, correct? That was that draft? 83. 83. Like three years ago, we had the same exact situation. If you, if you draft me number one, I'm just going to go play baseball. And mm-hmm. the Buccaneers are like, yeah, we'll do that. Didn't work out for them. Did the Buccaneers – did they get some sort of, like, pick? With, or, like, with, with Elway? Compensation if the player doesn't sign? Like, do they take out, like, some sort of insurance or something like that? I have no – well, let's take a look. Did they get a – well, they ended up drafting number one the next year anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were pretty bad. Um – that's crazy. I, how, I I, I the, if uh, I were the owner of Tampa Bay, I would have fired my general manager the second he announced that Bo Jackson was getting picked. It looks like they, they used a supplemental third round pick, but I don't think I don't think that was anything to do with the first round pick. Huh. Trying to let's see forfeited. Buccaneer, or Buccaneers had to forfeit his rights before the 1987 draft. Choosing to... He slept in and didn't attend the draft. That's a power move. The next draft. <laughs> in 87. Yeah, he slept in. In the seventh round, I'm surprised he slipped to the seventh round. Well, they probably had like three billion rounds back then. Okay, so this is kind of funny. So I, I just said that in 87... The Buccaneers did not get any sort of compensation. That I know of yet. I don't know. But they, they didn't get any sort of compensation as far as a bonus draft pick because Bo Jackson didn't sign. Although, I mean, I think that's how it works in baseball, doesn't it? In baseball, yeah, it's the same thing in baseball. If the first round pick doesn't sign, you get another – Kumar uh, Rocker just went through it. Yeah. So the, so the Mets will get a, another first-round pick to make up for it. But Yeah. Uh, they get, I think they get – yeah, I think they get something like that. But – I mean, it was a good move for him. Instead of getting drafted tenth, he got drafted third. So, um, so the guy that they drafted in the supplemental draft, uh, this is kind of funny. Uh, it was some, I believe, a linebacker out. Uh, no, a defensive lineman from the Miami Hurricanes who ran out of NCAA eligibility, but he was in the process of. Uh, he he was trying to get a sixth year. And they said no, but the draft had already passed. So he was trying to play football another year, and the draft had already passed. And then Miami, like in the middle of training camp, I guess, said, um, you can't play anymore. So then he's like, all right, I'm a free agent. And they just signed with the Buccaneers, which is another power move that, to have to not go through the draft process. And then the NFL said, uh, yeah, that's not how this works. So then they <laughs> used that as a supplemental draft pick. That's, that'd be something if you just hold out of the draft and then just sign with whatever team you want. <laughs> that's uh, that's that, why they that's, can't let that happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reason. Everyone, the new way, there's a, a period of time where the new thought 
among sports fans was just abolish the draft and have it be free agency. I mean, that's just one way to kill any league. Yeah. <laughs> because Zion would have went to the Knicks or the Lakers. Yeah. Like, like all these big names. Like, why would I want to go play for Cleveland when I can go play for New York? Or yeah. something like that. Zion would not be in New Orleans right now. Yeah, I mean, the Oakland A's wouldn't sign a single person. Oh, man. Dang, this guy. Yeah, but uh, not after I I dug a little bit further into this guy, this Dan Saleo guy. Cilio Saleo. um, This guy that the Buccaneers used for the supplemental draft pick apparently got into a radio career following his playing career. Uh, Apparently he got fired from three different radio stations. Good. Yeah, in uh, three different cities. So he kind of he kind of just followed his career path, and whatever team that he played for, he tried to get a job there. So uh, fired multiple hmm. times. Some other controversies when uh, Miami was playing Florida State, he tweeted out a picture of Florida State defensive lineman Timmy Jernigan, and uh, tweeted at Miami football, uh, "I will give one thousand dollars to whoever takes this kid out." Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, uh, very subtle. Uh, Jeez. That's yeah. That that's nice. There's a radio host here in Cleveland who threatened to run over fans with his car. <laughs> he I also beat his wife when he's oh. drunk, so he's not a very good person. But oh, that's still very that's... popular amongst Cleveland, amongst Cleveland people. <laughs> This this is not a Tony Grossi or Ken Carmen, is it? No, it's um Rizzo, Tony Rizzo. Oh well, uh, well after discovering that second piece of information, that sounds like he may have meant it when he said it. It was regarding the zero and sixteen parade we had because we actually did that, and um he found out about it. And he's a very old man yells at cloud type of guy. Yeah. And he, live in a Buffalo Wild Wings in Strongsville, Ohio, he said, and I quote, or I don't quote, I don't know, remember exactly what he said. Actually, let me look it up. Tony Rizzo, 0-16. Parade. Yeah, Cleveland dot, Cleveland19.com ran us. Here's the headline. Tony Rizzo threatens to run over 0-16 perfect ground season parade covers. <laughs> well, and the clip, I, I, Rizzo said he will mow down parade goers with his car. <laughs> He'd also use any political leverage he can find to make sure the parade didn't happen. Clearly, did not have much leverage. I see. I'm trying to see if he has a full quote somewhere because it was funny. The rant he went on because he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I uh, I'm just writing up some trivia questions. I think I got some good ones. Oh, it's a five minute clip. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, here's so if you're keeping score at home, one of the bigger I don't know what that word means. And all of Cleveland did the following: threatened physical violence on anyone planning the parade, 
challenged anyone who's going doing so to come down to a public restaurant one which is evidently a sponsor to partake in said violence. That's right. He invited people to the Buffalo oh. Wild Wings to fit, fight them. That's right. Uh, pulled the <laughs> do you know who I am card at a pregame tailgate. Who is he? Use the word. Johnny Damon. Oh, wait, no, that's, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tony LaRusso. Yeah. <laughs> Use the word loserist, apparently. Uh, spoke of the Browns as something he is not only a part of, but something, something in which he gets to choose his teammates. Referred to his mouth breathing as a take. What? Threaten additional violence on anyone who comes near his family. That's not out of the ordinary. Name drop the absolute shit out of anyone in the city or state legislature. Threaten to mow participants down with a car. Promise that said peaceful gathering will end ugly if it goes down. It didn't. (laughs) Refer to loopholes in a permit he didn't know existed seconds earlier. Promise he will keep Mike Polk Jr. from attending. He's like a local comedian. He's famous for the video where he called the Brown Stadium a factory of sad. Uh, I know who that guy is. <laughs> threaten to use his television platform to identify participants in the parade and encourage listeners to send them hate mail. And swore to God he would use his television platform to publicly shame an entire, and entice additional discord. Oh, Pretty boy. good. Yeah. That was such a funny that was such a funny moment in time when we had an 0 16 parade around the stadium. Yeah, that was uh McNeil on Twitter who organized that, right? Yep. And now you know, things have only gotten brighter here in Cleveland. hmm Gosh darn it, dude. Daniel Vogelbach had a grand slam today. Yes he did. And it wasn't for the Pirates. Sure wasn't. Uh, all right. Let, you know what? Let's revamp this. You know, let's get on with this draft. Yup. All right. Set the stage for us. This was your idea. You get credit for it. Yes. It's going to be our top five favorite college football games we've ever watched, which doesn't have to be the best, but our favorite. Okay. Right. I think there's a few that we may overlap on. But uh, I'm looking at my list. I have a list. I have a big board of eight right now. Let me pull up my And map. one, two, three, four of them involve Ohio State. I don't know if you're going to have any of those games. I have one that involves Ohio State, and it's not them winning. <laughs> Which means we don't have it. No. Yeah, no. My number one pick, Ohio State versus Iowa, 2017. <laughs> I had fun watching that game. <laughs> yeah. That was the week after we beat Penn State, man. That game sucked. That oh, – I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because you guys went jumped up to number two. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh Got our doors blown off by Iowa. 31. I mean, that was an ass-kicking from go. The first play of the game was a pick was six. A pick six. Ohio State, I think, took the lead after one, but it, after that, it was just like, oh, my God, they don't have any answers. I know. Yeah, that was a fun game. Anyway, I guess I'll go first since you went first last time. Mm-hmm. So my number one pick, uh, I'm going to hold off on all the Ohio State ones because I know you're not going to take them. Right. There's one I think you might take, and I'm going to take it now. 
the Oklahoma versus Georgia Rose Bowl. I knew that, it. That's my favorite game I've ever watched ever in, in any sport, including game seven of the finals, because let me tell you, I didn't have fun watching that game. Uh-huh. It was just so perfect. There was so much star power, two programs that don't really play each other, playing in the Rose Bowl of all places. And the Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, just an awesome team in Georgia. And it was just an amazing game, back and forth. There were defensive plays. There were offensive plays. It was awesome. Perfect oh, that... the per- it went to overtime, two overtimes. Rodrigo Blankenship had his moment in the sun. Sure did. Oh, great game. Not many penalties in that game. It was a, it was a crisp game. Oh, that was a good one, man. Um, all right, all right, all right. Um, favorite games ever. I am going to take – I'm going to fire up the Wayback Machine. I'll probably end up going with... Do you have any games that you weren't alive for on your list? Because I have one. Um, yeah, but it, it not, it's not one of my favorites. But I have I just have a giant list of games right. that I know that... Oh, man. Dude, I... Again, I got I to gotta preserve the ones that are just Ohio State losses or Notre Dame victories. Because mm-hmm. right, I... Because we're not going to have much overlap there, so I got to strategically avoid those. So I'll go number one. Uh, I really like 2007 Arkansas beating LSU in triple overtime. Ooh, great game! That was uh, that was the Felix Jones, Darren McFadden, Peyton Hillis game. Yeah. Um, I think Peyton Hillis had four touchdowns. I think Darren McFadden had three. Right. Also, uh, I, actually, I think Darren McFadden also threw a touchdown. Yeah, because he, he lined up at quarterback. Yeah, actually, I went back and re- – shocking. I rewatched this game. But uh, at some point, they, they ran a lot of wildcat, or I guess wild hog is what they called it uh, for <laughs> their team to fit their mascot. But – they ran a lot of that formation. And then eventually, Darren McFadden just started throwing the ball more than the quarterback because the quarterback never even saw the field. Uh, it, like, now, he wasn't throwing it very – he only had a couple passes where he actually threw it down the field. But it was a lot of, like, screens or just now routes. But You're right. uh, that was completely shocking that the final game of the season – and I'm not even counting this as part of this game – but it also, just to put it in full context, LSU was number one. They lose their last game of the season, and they still win the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not something you hear very much, especially back then when it wasn't even a four-team playoff. It was a two-team championship. Just the, cra- the chaos that was the 2007 season, the regular season got wrapped up on Thanksgiving weekend with an unranked Arkansas team basically beating the number one team in the country with no quarterback. Unbelievable. Even crazier about that season is that Ohio State lost the week before as number one and also was in the championship game. Mm -hmm. uh, It's unbelievable how that all worked out. Um, For my second pick, uh, man, we could really go a lot longer than just five picks if we we wanted to. 
if we get rolling, we we just might because they're they're I I could totally save the Notre Dame and the Ohio State ones for last. Right. I will go with. Uh, man, you're not even gonna think about this game, so I might save that one. I'll, I will do 2019, and I think I may have just spoiled it already with that. The number it. number two versus number three. God Alabama, damn it. Alabama versus LSU. That was going to be my next pick. God damn it. Uh, there we go. Okay, so uh, Tua Tagovailoa uh, is rushed back from injury to come play in this game. Um, and every time that he didn't do something perfect, Gary Danielson thought that it was because of his ankle. Um, uh, Tua is running with the football and just mysteriously fumbles without contact. Oh, it must be mm-hmm. his ankles hurt. <laughs> um, uh, again, I said this last week on the podcast, but I, I seldom give too much credit to running backs because I think that they're mostly a product of their offensive line. And if you ever have heard me talk about Travion Henderson, he is 100%, at least up to this point, a product of his offensive line, giving him a wide open hole to run through. Uh, but Clyde Edwards, a in that game, uh, he was almost impossible to tackle just a, a, a tiny running back, but just so quick with his feet. NFL talent all across the board. I know that you talked about Jamar Chase making Trayvon Diggs his son uh, on the opening <laughs> drive for LSU, or maybe not the opening drive, but certainly in the opening quarter. Najee Harris also had a fantastic game. Um, oh, there's just so much talent on display. And, of course, it was on CBS. It had all the theme music that we love. One of the, one of the best games of our lives, 2019 Alabama-LSU. God damn. Uh, yeah, I really wanted that game. Um, I'm very no, curious next, to see where you go from here. My next one, because I was going to take back, I was going to take that one, and then Boise State versus Oklahoma. So I'll take that oh. one right now. Oh seven. That was just. That was the first time I realized that group, or not. I didn't know what the group of five was, nor did it exist. <laughs> that. Um, that was that was like the first upset I ever saw. It was awesome on the big stage. <laughs> had all the awesome plays, the hook and ladder, the uh, Statue of Liberty to win it. Boise State was just came out and punched them in the mouth, and then Oklahoma actually took the lead. It was like, damn, Boise State was so close, and then they hooked and laddered their way to the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> okay, number two. That really stinks not having LSU Alabama on that on my card. Um, I'm debating if I only want to take one Ohio State game here, like for for all five picks. We can keep this going for as long as we, we can do ten yeah. for all we, for all I care. We can keep this okay, going. So, just because I love this game so much, or no, I'm going to take Ohio State versus Miami 0-3. The championship uh, game. That's I like player. I said like I said a thousand times. I don't remember fully watching it. I remember certain parts of it, so I I didn't watch it in real time. I've watched the full game since, like in a, the past two years, just because I like watching old college football games. Mm-hmm. It truly was David versus Goliath when you look at Miami's roster compared to Ohio State's roster, and no, somehow, I'm... some way, Ohio State found a way to win that game. The 30 for 30 told me that Miami was just so gutted after Willis McGahee's injury that they just could not play any longer. No, 
Where's the game <laughs> you got injured in like what the third quarter? You were you were on the ropes then. Like yeah. you just lost. Miami just simply lost. They shouldn't have lost that game. The better team lost that game, but they lost. You lost to Craig Krenzel, dude. <laughs> um with my next pick. Alright, I, I gotta I gotta map this out and figure out at what point I'm just going to lean into the Ohio State to the Notre Dames. But I have more to go <laughs> before I do that. Uh, oh my gosh. I uh actually draft wise I did not over overlook this because this is a good spot to take them. Um, Tennessee and Texas A&M um, mm. from 2016 is an all-timer. It, I'm triple overtime. Oh, yeah. I think Tennessee had seven – I, I seriously think Tennessee lost seven fumbles and still sent that game to triple OT. Um that was the one year of Trevor Knight as quarterback at Texas A&M yep. after, after Baker Mayfield beat him out at Oklahoma. Um, he ran for like a 70-yard touchdown in that game. Uh, there was going to be the game-clinching touchdown that Texas A&M was going to run. And it got chased down and the, knocked the ball out. Like in a lunge, the Tennessee defender and the Texas A&M running back started to jog the final 10 yards, comes up, dives, punches the ball to the back of the end zone uh, with less than two minutes to go and gives Tennessee one final drive. I think they were down by 14 and the, the final three drives. Uh, or I, oh, my gosh. The, if I'm not mistaken, the final four drives were with Tennessee down by 14, a Tennessee touchdown. Then I think the first play of that Texas A&M drive was – them running that seventy yard would have been would be touchdown that got the ball knocked out and now it's a now it's a uh, touchback I guess and another Tennessee touchdown to tie it and then Texas A and M in a very short amount of time in like three plays marched down the field with a few uh, chunk plays and passes and then I I can't swear to this I'm pretty sure Texas A and M hit the game winning field goal but that they, they got iced. And then they missed the next field goal to go to overtime. I so I think so. Bonkers! I'm telling you guys, a bonkers game. Um, one that I had a black. That was one of the very first when I got into the hobby of watching old college football games. That was one of the first games I watched. I had no idea what it was going to be, even though I just you know shed it all out there for you guys. That was incredible. Now. Uh, my next pick, um, wow, that was a really good one too. Um, I'll go, eh, there's no shot that you were ever going to take this one, but I, the 2013 SEC championship between Auburn and Missouri uh, both were top five teams. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was a a very unique triple option offense, but they ran it out of the shotgun. Trey Mason ran for over 300 yards in this game. 
Doriel Green Beckham had like a 150 with two touchdowns. Uh, the fir- the first half was very, very, very competitive. And then in the second half, Auburn started to run away with it. Um, mm-hmm. Greg, by the way, Greg Robinson, uh, former Cleveland Brown turn. Uh, well, I mean, he was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was wearing orange with the Browns and then he was wearing orange in the penitentiary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he had a fantastic game. He was he was mowing guys over, and it was very much on display uh, before getting drafted second overall. Um, he he was so good in this game, but that that's a great game if you want to watch unique play calling and a unique offensive system. Um, that was a lot of uh, so much fun to watch. Uh, again, little too much. I, I don't. It got a little bit too Big Twelve there because the score was like sixty to fifty or something. <laughs> uh, so a little bit, a little bit too much scoring, but very, very unique play calling and not an offensive system that you see very often. So I highly recommend that game, um, and, and you you'll enjoy it. But Auburn, Missouri, twenty thirteen SEC championship. I don't really remember that game to be honest. Yeah, it's. It's not a memorable one. No. Um, okay, so. I already took the Ohio State game. I'll probably end up taking another. I will take 2016 Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baker Mayfield's return to Lubbock. Oh, my gosh. 66 to 59 was the yep. final score. Oklahoma won. Um, Patrick Mahomes was obviously played in that game for Texas Tech, and the box score is just silly. Baker Mayfield had seven touchdowns, 545 yards. Patrick Mahomes threw for 734 yards on 88 attempts for five touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon had 263 rushing yards and two touchdowns. He also added 114 receiving yards and three touchdowns. D.D. Westbrook had a huge game. Uh, it was just no defense, just good Big 12 football. Just not an ounce of defense to be seen. It just back and forth, <laughs> deep plays. Like, these. it just wasn't a high-scoring college football game. I mean, 66 to 50. I mean, 60 to 50 college football games happen all the time. But it was just explosive play after explosive play. Nobody had an answer. And it was just the, the atmosphere around Baker Mayfield's return to Lubbock and how they hated him, and he had similar feelings towards them. They were wearing trader shirts when he very much wasn't a trader. <laughs> so, ooh, yeah. the NHL is heading to Milwaukee. Oh, never mind. I forgot they're already in Milwaukee. They No, they aren't. Yeah, the Wild. Minnesota. That's right. They're oh, it's the, um, they're playing a game there. They're playing a pre- the Blackhawks and the Wild. They're playing a preseason game there. All I saw was oh. the NHL is heading to Milwaukee, and I thought we just got another expansion team. Well, I, yeah, I thought we were going to get an expansion team too. But I anyway. bet you that part of the country would like hockey. Probably. Um, and then, so, okay. What game should I go with here? What game should I go with here? Do I go with another Ohio State game? That's the question. Or do I go with 
you see, there's a lot of games I consider super fun, but I wouldn't take in a draft. Like Notre Dame Clemson 2020, I enjoy that game very much, but I don't think I would take it. I see what you mean. Because there are a lot of games where I'm like, man, I love this game, but I don't think there's any point in drafting them because I don't think anybody else will agree with me. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm going to take another Ohio State game. This is this is the first football game that I fully sat down and watched and was like, and fully understood the rules. Because before I would just go in and watch football. I had no idea what the rules were. I would just root for when the red team got into the end zone. And then... This game is when I fully sat down, like, okay, I'm going to watch this thing. And it was like, I, I probably annoyed the shit out of my dad because they asked, like, 100 questions. But Ohio State versus Michigan, the game of the century, 2006, one versus two. It was an incredible game. It was to determine who was going to go play for the national championship game and the Big Ten title, which would give a shit. But, and there was also the potential that they were going to rematch in the championship game. That would have been a fun. But it was an awesome game, 42-39. It kind of added – it was so historic because it was the first time one versus two ever met between these two teams. And then it kind of added, like, a little bit of history. Or not history. I don't, I don't know what phrase I'm going for, but Bo Schembechler dying the day before the game was kind of weird. Was just kind of <laughs> obvious. And, it, I, and I'm sure if I was this age – if I was 24 years old in 2006, I definitely would have put – a billion dollars on Michigan to win that game. <laughs> uh, why would you have put a billion dollars on Michigan? Because there's no way Michigan was going to lose the day after Bo Schembechler died. And oh, the first time yeah. number one versus number two ever played. Well, you make a compelling point. But it was a great uh, game. Yeah, yeah, all right. Like, I was well, very lucky that that was the first football game I fully sat down and paid attention to. That was the first uh, college football. I'd actually have to go back and look at Notre Dame's schedule to see the the first <laughs> Notre Dame game I can remember. Um, but, uh, well, now i got to play keep away with my next pick. Uh, I, I was going to save all of my Notre Dame's and Ohio State's for last, <laughs> but now I, I got to go with one of my one of my best experiences watching college football ever. Uh, Notre Dame Clemson twenty twenty. Yep. Number one Clemson comes Great into game. South Bend uh, with Coach Trevor Lawrence on the sideline and a true <laughs> freshman making his second was start. He even there? Uh, yeah, he was just in a mask on the sideline, which uh, uh, raised a bunch of questions about. If COVID's yeah, so why bad, he, then oh, why yeah, are we letting him that. travel? Yeah, why couldn't he play if he could be on the sidelines? I do remember yeah. that. Which was, I feel like that game would have been so much better with a crowd. Yes, it would have. Um, that was also Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa kind of we drafted put, him. Put yeah, kind of put his name out there on the national spotlight. Um, he had that famous play which uh, actually wasn't even a touchdown, but they just didn't even review it, where uh, DJ Ukulele pitched the ball to ETN, and the ball just bounced out of his arms straight into the arms of uh, JOK, who took it for a touchdown. 
the very you ever next go ahead watch that play back because i watched that play back because i i love i love when deep big play i like i liked watching it just because i jok I grew infatuated with him when he was drafted but if you watch that play like he knew exactly what was going to happen before it was snapped because he came full sprint right as the ball was snapped and basically like he knew the ball was getting pitched it's uh, it's it's just like one of those plays that I like watching. I'm going to watch right now. <laughs> I'll have to go back and double check that. But the the very next play from scrimmage, after the kickoff, Clemson throws a slant, and it's a it's, a, it's another controversial play because it's a it's a uh, is it a complete completion in a fumble or is it incomplete? Um, it was very tough to call, but a slant across the middle. Jok knocks it out in. Perfect rhythm, basically. Um, oh my gosh! And then everyone started to take notice of him. Um, one of the great defensive players. Wish he was a first round draft pick. Um, really wish he was a first hmm. round draft pick because then that way the Browns would. It'd be impossible for the Browns to have both JOK and Greg Newsom. Uh, I would like it if they only had one of Sucks. them and not both. <sighs> but yeah. that's my first pick. My second pick. Where does Underrated uniform going? game, too. I'm watching it right now. I, I like I, Clemson's all-white look. I, or not all-white, like, but... I like their away uniforms. They, yeah. they look good on the road. Um, Especially Notre Dame. I always contend Notre Dame at night might be the best set of uniforms. Oh, the way that the lights bounce off the gold right. helmets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, my next game that I'm going to offer to you. Uh, I will say, I got a couple options here. Uh, all right, I'm going to play keep away. I mean, we're just going to keep on going. We don't give a damn, folks. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to be selfish here and just keep this thing going until we run out of games that we find interesting. So, so we run out of college football games. We're going to rank every single college football game. Ever. Um, yeah. Uh, my next one, and this is more of a, a keep away draft pick because I, the other ones that I'm looking at, I don't think are on your radar. I'm going to go 2009, the final game of the regular season for both of these teams. But one of these teams was almost a group of five team in the national championship. It is Tony Pike's Cincinnati team. Taking oh, yeah. on Jonathan Baldwin, who scored two touchdowns for Pitt. It is number five Cincinnati and number fifteen Pitt. Uh, it was a it was a wild game because Tony Pike was terrible. Uh, I think through three interceptions. Bad weather in this game too at Heinz Field. I believe it was real grass. So I think uh, it was a a great scene. And then Cincinnati storms back, but. Uh, Pitt takes the lead. I, I think they go up, I want to say, 44 to 38. They miss the extra point. Then Cincinnati storms all the way down the field uh, for a game-winning touchdown drive in basically a minute. And they mm-hmm. also – and then they make the extra point to win 45-44. Uh, that missed extra point is uh, one of the uh, the biggest – you had one jobs in college football history – um, so instead of going into overtime, Cincinnati ended up taking that game. And you just felt 
the momentum shifts like crazy when Pitt missed that extra point. And I'm pretty right. sure Dion Lewis carried the ball 46 times. They barely threw. Yeah. Dion Lewis's stat line from that, that game is incredible. That missed kick was brutal. Mm-hmm. It's I always feel bad. I always feel bad for when that happens to people. Especially yeah. kickers. I just feel bad. Like, I don't remember it happening, but Pat McAfee costing West Virginia a chance at the title was, I feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. He said he was in bad shape after that, too. Yeah, because, like, I mean, not to put it all on him, because obviously West Virginia could have done a lot better at playing the game of football in that game. But he he screwed him in that game because West Virginia was so goddamn good that year. Mm-hmm. All right. My team. Or my game pick. Hmm. Do I go triple Ohio State? <laughs> yes, because Ohio State, Alabama, the first playoff, the 2015, Cardell Jones, back and forth. At one point, I thought Alabama was just going to run us right out of the right out of the stadium, and then Ohio State had a big final oh. couple minutes of the first half. Shout out Evan Spencer with the greatest throw and Mike Evans. Mike Thomas with the greatest catch in the history of football. Um, <laughs> Zeke Elliott's 85-yard run was awesome. Through the heart of the South. Yeah. Alabama had an onside kick when they made it, cut it to seven. And go go back and look at that onside kick. And there's going to be a moment through that onside kick where imagine yourself as an Ohio State fan, your balls are going to fall out of you when that ball like takes its second bounce. It, it is one of the best onside kicks I've ever seen. And somehow <laughs> Ohio State came out with it. I got to watch oh. it now because it was incredible. If you want, if you want to be amazed by something that's kind of innocuous from that game, J.K. Scott, who is now the punter for the Packers, oh he was the punter God. for Alabama. MVP. And I'm not kidding. If you just want to do a Madden ratings game where positional preference does not matter, J.K. Scott was the closest to a 99 that game had. Ohio State was inside, like, their own 10-yard line, like, for about 85% of the game because he just kept punting it. He just kept coughing, coring them, and it was obnoxious. And Alabama just – and Ohio State would always go, like, three and out or they would only get a first down. And then Alabama just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And then Ohio State eventually is like, all right, it's going to take it 85 yards to the crib. I got to see this onside kick because that thing was torture when that ball was in the air. Oh, yeah. And then the next – that drive, Ohio State, with like a minute left, and Alabama had a timeout, threw the ball twice. Oh, my – yeah, Blake Sims – yeah, I got stunk. Here it is. I got it. Evan Spencer. It was Evan Spencer recovered it, and it was an incredible grab by him. By the way, um, one of the great overlooks by a broadcast team. You hate when you see a good play and they just don't show the replay. The very first play of that game, they ran an end around. I think to Amari Cooper. It doesn't matter who it was to. Derrick Henry was a lead blocker, and he tossed Eli Apple, and the, the, no one hard. saw it. Well, yeah, uh, but no one saw it. There was no replay. Brad Nessler didn't even comment on it uh, back when he was still broadcasting for ESPN. Uh, it was Isn't he now? Bra- 
No, he's at CBS. That's what I mean, because the SEC is moving to ESPN. That's why I just I don't know if he followed the SEC because there's no way he's following uh, West games. Uh, he better not be, or I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go free him like it's Area 51. Yeah, him and Gary Danielson calling Mountain, calling uh, BYU and uh, whoever the fuck. <laughs> Air Force and BYU. That's that. That's I take that back. Air Force and BYU are both gonna be really good this year. Air Force especially. Uh, all right. Who's your second pick? My second pick. I guess we'll go with my old game. Game I wasn't alive for. I was negative fourteen years old when this game happened. All right, hold on. Let me let me figure this out. I can't find a box score for this game for the life. Nineteen eighty four. Yes. Um. I. I don't even. I can't. Like my, my my best guess, honestly, is this is the game that Bo Jackson stiff armed Deion Sanders. That's my best guess. No, it is Miami versus Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. Oh, <laughs> Fumble oh, Ruski, right? I think that was the game. That's the thing. I cannot find a box score for the life of. But Miami, so Miami won 31-30, and I, they won the national championship that year. But Nebraska scored with 40 seconds left in that game to make it 31-30. They went for two instead of going – they went for the win. That's why I love that game so much, just because – even though they didn't win, that's why I love that game so much. It's because Tom Osborne's like, no, nah, we're going for the win. I love it. In the, for the guaranteed national championship game. It was also a really good – it was just a back-and-forth game. And I love that. I love those Nebraska teams. I actually, I have a new shipment of college apparel that just came in. I have a hoodie of Bowdoin University, one of their throwback logos. And I have a black sweatshirt of the old school Nebraska logo, where it's just the helmet and like the script Huskers. Mm-hmm. Just because I love Nebraska. I love their old school football. Nebraska, Nebraska had 478 yards total offense. Miami had 430 Bernie Kosar, shout out to him. Yeah. Ohio legend. Oh, yeah. It's just a great game. It's it's on YouTube. I, I recommend you watching it if you ever want to watch a full college football game and need one to – or if you're ever looking for a full college football game to watch. Because it was a great game. But, God, I can't believe I can't find a box for this game. Uh, for my next game, for my favorite – uh, I got two on my radar, and it doesn't really matter which one goes first. Man, when I go back and watch old games, I don't know what my deal is, but I've watched. It's like it's like seventy percent of them are Oklahoma games. So here come here come two of them, uh, and I think Oklahoma actually lost both of these. But I will go Oklahoma Tennessee two thousand fifteen. Yeah, which I think we've talked about before, primarily oh, yeah. because because of that checkered crowd, uh, in that yeah. the the roar before the opening kick, but uh, the the main course for that game, uh, may have been a triple overtime game, certainly at, at least an overtime, but that was uh, Baker Mayfield with a horrendous first half, so much so that 
it was basically like a, a Trevor Knight camera was uh, they had the Trevor Knight cam going just because you never, Oh, are they going to bring him in? And this was a, this is Baker's first year at Oklahoma. It was his second game. Uh, his first game was against some garbage opponent where they just ran up the score, blah, blah, blah. But this was a ranked versus ranked a 19 versus a 23 and a second half comeback after Baker Mayfield was just overthrowing everybody in the first half. Uh, Odell Beckham Sr. agrees. He made a highlight video about it. But in the second half, Baker Mayfield really buckled down, got it together, made fantastic plays. And uh, not only all of that, but uh, just some insane escapability. Uh, He was almost unsackable in that game. Uh, I oh, and then uh, there's a, a fourth down, a fourth and goal where they go for it and they score. Um, uh, the the end of that game, Oklahoma Tennessee was unbelievable. Um, and then also, um, not so much a a thrilling photo finish, but just a bunch of great highlights throughout the game. I'll go Oklahoma Texas 2008. This was number one versus number five. Uh, Earl Thomas actually had – he was either a freshman or a sophomore, but he had two interceptions in this game. Um, this was uh, Trent Williams at right tackle, Sam Bradford at quarterback, DeMarco Murray, uh, Ryan Broyles. Oh, yeah. Texas had Sergio Kendall. They had the older of the Acho brothers, Colt McCoy. Quan Cosby in this game was yeah. unbelievable. They had – uh, the Browns running back, uh, Chris. Chris Ovenawa. Yes. Uh, he was in this game. Uh, there was a fake punt that got stuffed in this game on a gutsy call by Bob Stoops. Jermaine Gresham was really good in this game. So much Big 12 talent um, back when Oklahoma and Texas were both really, really comp- One of the last times, actually, that those two were both really competitive together. Um in the Big 12, and it probably will be the last time uh, they were ever that competitive together in the Big 12 because they'll soon be joining the SEC. And unless unless Texas really gets together in the next two years, basically, that's all they have, uh, that will be the best that the Big the, – the last of the best that the Big 12 had to offer us. <laughs> I don't really remember that. I, I know it was a good game, but I don't remember watching it. I definitely watched it. Um, I guess I'm just going to take the steal of the draft and take Texas USC. I, I have no recollection of watching it, but I've obviously seen the main highlights. I know I watched it, but I can't remember watching it, if that makes sense. I know I that's, watched it. That's fair. But I don't remember cheering or – I don't. I can't – that vision isn't in my head. Um, yeah, I'll take what some people argue is the greatest game of all time. I say it's not, but – um, oh, I, I don't remember the year, but let's see. I believe it was 2018. Yeah, 2018, Red River Showdown. It was Kyler Murray versus Sam Ellinger. Oh, Dicker the Kicker. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma almost had a massive comeback in the second, in the fourth quarter, and then and Dicker the kicker. It was 
it's just like the Red River Showdown is always awful or just awesome. Yeah, and they're the players, even Texas. Some of these guys didn't pan out, but little Jordan Humphrey was good in college. <laughs> I mean, Sam Ellinger was good. Devin Duvernay was kind of a guy. Actually, with the Tom. Ravens, I think he's the Ravens' number one receiver. Hey, they got Bateman. Their, their former number one receiver just got arrested. Yes, he did. Uh, what's his face? Marquise Brown. Brown. Who played in this game and had nine receptions for 131 yards and two touchdowns. But Oklahoma, I love looking. Oklahoma has an awesome team. They Oklahoma always puts out some of the best teams ever. Or just some of the more fun teams. Like, this was a fun team. Kyler Murray, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, C.D. Lamb, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown, Kenneth Murray Jr., Trey Norwood is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that game was so bad. I love back-and-forth games. I am a sucker for back-and-forth games. I I got you. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right, I got Kyler Murray led the team in rushing yards. I've talked about this game. Timeout. Go ahead. Time back in. Because I was going to switch it. I was going to ask if I can switch it for last year's Red River Showdown. But I forgot I bet on Texas in that game, and it was a bad beat. So I don't want that game anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a, there was one game in here that I actually really enjoyed. It wasn't even that great of a game. In fact, it was kind of terrible. But <laughs> – uh, there was snow in the game, so I was a little bit biased. Oh. I, almost threw, I almost threw in the uh, Washington Washington State from 2018. Um, oh yeah, that. But I realized that I I I lost like seven different teasers because <laughs> because I bet the over in that game, but I didn't know that it was gonna snow. Right. So, uh, I was and it missed by like a field goal. So I was incredibly frustrated with how that game ended. Um, oh my gosh! And they—I uh, think there was even a running back who, like, slid intentionally or something, because he uh, didn't want—he just wanted to run out the game, and then they kneeled. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. S- something along those lines. So I was really fed up with this game, but I, I almost wanted to toss it in there just because of the snow factor, and. Uh, of all right. places, it comes from wa- the state of Washington. Um, so Washington uh, had some really good teams. I uh, yeah, those were man. They had a four to five year run where they were putting out some quality teams. Yes. Um, in fact, I may have one game in here that makes my favorites. That's a complete blowout, but it's just <laughs> the the highlights are so much fun. Um, but before I do that. I, I've talked about this game so many times, and I'm not going to talk about it that much here, but USC-Cal 2003. Um, I don't remember that one. Uh, well, all right, here, I'm going to talk about it then. So um, uh, USC has a sophomore I, – I think a first-year – yeah, first-year starter, Matt Leiner, uh, following Carson Palmer's Heisman Trophy season. Right. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in his second career start with Cal. He ends up getting benched in this game 
he uh he had a really really a a lights out first half but a shaky start to the second half and then us in which included a pick six by the way by lofa tatupu who um was a linebacker for the seahawks for a hot second uh by the way quick note on him since i was a steelers fan i knew who he was he was like the he i don't even know what to call him but He's all anyone talked about in that Super Bowl defensively for the Seahawks. He was like the guy, and he, he only lasted like five years in the league. But uh, I don't remember him. Rodgers threw a pick six. Cal panicked and put in their traditional starter, um, who they benched in favor of Rodgers, uh, Reggie okay. Robertson. Um, Matt Leiner put together one of the worst first halves you'll ever see, but then followed it with an incredible second half. This was Mike Williams in his final season of college football. Um, he was about 6'5", 230 pounds, and he played like it, uh, which was a lot of fun to watch. There was, It was a triple overtime game. Uh, the very first overtime had USC fumble on the two-yard line, and then they followed it up with a 6'8", tight end blocking, and blocking a game-winning field goal. Um, uh, by just like jumping up in next, not jumping over the center, but just being lined up over him and jumping straight forward. Um, incredible game, incredible upset. Uh, you don't hear much about Cal football, but I'll give him that one. And um, another one, <coughs> Lord. I'll throw in, where were they? Where were they? Um, Alabama, Arkansas, 2010. Um, this was, again, talk about a – I guess I just love collapses because uh, – I love Notre Dame. Ryan, yeah, oh, my gosh. Uh, Ryan Mallett in this game, when I watched him, looked like the most talented quarterback you've ever seen. And then late in this game – you saw why he never panned out because between the ears, uh, he just made a bunch of bad decisions. But right. physical t- physical talent, Ryan Mallett looked like a freaking stud, in the and you can't even can't even believe how good he was in this game. Uh, this was the year after Mark Ingram won the Heisman, so this was now Mark Ingram with the. A little bit of Trent Richardson flavor. This was when they were now sharing the backfield. Those two both had a really good game together. Um, uh, just a lot of fun. I was really – I knew how this ended because I'm pretty sure Alabama won the championship this year or at least played in the championship. But I was still watching this game thinking, how in the world did Arkansas lose? Well, they found a way to lose. Uh, but the first half – the the, the, some of the best quarterback play you will see in college football history uh, from Ryan Mallett in that game. I, I That's another game I don't really remember. That's all right. That's all right. Um, Did I? You know, every once in a while, because I'm an offense man. I love a good offense. Every once in a while, when I'm not when I'm watching a game that I didn't bet on or none of my favorite teams are playing on, I enjoy when a defensive battle breaks out. Ooh. The 2009 Big Ten, Big Twelve championship game, Texas. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Nebraska won that game, 
and then they didn't. So if you, if you don't remember, Colt McCoy was rolling out. Nebraska was winning 12-10. He was rolling out, threw the ball out of bounds, and originally time ran out. Nebraska celebrated. But then the replay officials determined it was there was an egregious error. So Texas got one second left on the game clock, and they were able to kick a field goal to win. And that's what sent them to the national championship game. Yes, and uh, that's what blocked Cincinnati from being in the championship game. Uh, then, although, yeah, although actually, yeah. I, th- I, I think TCU... TCU probably would have made it over them. Ended up being ranked above them anyway, but that was also a really good game. You know what? I'm going to have to go back. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and just make a, a Ryan Mallett highlight video from that one game. Just, just I, I got to recruit people to take my side. But, yeah, dude, and Dominican Sue had four and a half sacks in that game, and I'm pretty sure was high, Nebraska yeah. had, like, nine. That, that They were so good. They were just punishing him. And Dominican Sue should have won the high for that year. He, he is by far the most dominant college football defensive player I've ever seen. Yeah, more than Chase Young. I'm sorry. More than Chase but... Young, absolutely, yeah. And Chase Young is comfortably number two for me, I would say. Because I, I didn't watch all the other guys. Like, I didn't watch Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson, so I can't say that because I didn't watch them. But Jadavion um, uh, Clowney should have been, but he fooled around at the end of his career. Yeah. Jadavion Clowney absolutely had the talent to be. Uh, let's see which game should I go with next. How about my all-time favorite game I've ever been to? Go for Ohio, it. Ohio State versus Penn State 2017. Number two versus number six. It was a 3.30 kick. I know because it ended at night. I'm just glad it wasn't a noon kick. It was Fox, though. I don't think Fox had big noon kickoff yet then, but... It was number two versus number six. I love the all-white Penn State look. I could have went without the gray look from Ohio State, but it was passable. Oh, with those red cleats? Yeah. Um, Saquon Barkley took the opening kickback. Ohio State was getting punched in the throat. And then JT Barrett became the Heisman Championship winner that he is, in my heart, in the fourth quarter. I think he went, like, 12 for 12 in the fourth quarter. One of the best comebacks I don't remember exactly the number that came back from, but it was one of the best comebacks of recent memory, especially with the implications. And then, obviously, with Ohio State, I was at the game. I believe the game took place in October, so it was perfect weather, not this horse shit that we have right now. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, un, it's deplorable that I, have, that I have to deal with 90-degree weather still. But mm-hmm. it was the perfect day. Ended at night. Penn State fans were arguing outside the stadium with each other. It was full blown. <laughs> Penn State fans were having a full blown meltdown after the game. And I saw I saw two bros just pushing each other in Penn State here, and they're like, "No, fuck you!" And it, was, it, was, it was bliss. I believe later that night was the LSU Texas A and M like thirty overtime game. Because I remember going back. I think it was later that night. Didn't Coach O like? fight Jimbo Fisher's nephew or something during that game at the end of that game? Something happened. 
where Coach O had to apologize for doing something. But I do remember something happened after that game. Um, all right, I, I'm left with uh, – there are some good games. Do I have any on my big board? Who left on my big board? Because I've been kind of freestyling here for the past 30 minutes. I have no more left on my big board. Um, all right, well, it's time to dig in, folks. Here we go. Uh, I'm just going to get <laughs> – I'm just going to go back to back. Uh, the exact same logic, exact same line of thinking, exact same style of game. Uh, although two different two different paths to get to the exact same result. Um, I will. I, I have I've said that this game is the only game. Uh, this game might be my favorite game of all time. Uh, it might be number one. This is the one game that I have said uh, could possibly rival the Notre Dame versus Clemson 2020 game, and that is Clemson versus Ohio State in 2019. Okay, I was going to guess Ohio State Oklahoma, but um, no, although that was I, I, that was a game where I was really excited that I was able to be there because it was a really cool experience. I wasn't oh, yeah. so much. Now, don't get me wrong. My little Grinch heart was smiling at the end of that game, but I I'm was sure it was. I was more so just appreciative of like, oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a freshman at Ohio State. It's my first, I got to do college game day. Oh my gosh, it was a cool experience. We got to see we got to see good college football. I, I was kind of just there oh, as yeah, a football fan in general. More we more saw a so. Lot of talent on that field. Yes, yes, we sure did, and then. Again, a, a different path to the same result. Uh, Florida, Ohio State, 2006. Uh, I mean, um, I can't help but think that's a shot. You're just taking cheap shots here now. Well, I, I, that's Ooh, the only I got a game I can't believe I totally forgot about. Well, apparently I totally forgot about it, too. What, 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 what am I missing? The 2017 Rose Bowl, Penn State, USC. Oh, that that was good. Penn State yeah. gave that game away. Because remember, I think it was, I, yeah, it was the final. It was what led to USC kicking the game-winning field goal. Trace McSorley threw a ball. I who was their quarterback that year? Was it Adoree Jackson? Adoree Jackson. Yeah, Adoree Jackson. He threw it towards Adoree Jackson, and he picked it off, but he was out. Or no, he dropped the interception. It was like the easiest pick of all time. And then the next play, he did the same exact thing, except Adore Jackson picked it off and USC kicked a field goal. But so much talent on that field. People thought Sam Darnold was good. Um, <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster had a really big game, I believe. Yeah. that Juju was a big prospect at that point. He was he's yeah. a, either a second or third round pick, but, man, he was a still a big draft prospect. Yeah. It was a high-scoring game, so much talent. That was a – Really fun Penn State team to watch. And, and my next pick, another game, one of the sneaky games. I don't know I don't know if you'll remember this. I think you might. 2017, UCF versus USF. Oh, that was a – oh, I totally forgot about that game. But that was – oh, that was a highlight reel finish. The war on I-4 is such an awesome name for a rivalry. Oh. But UCF, that was their first – I think 
yeah, well, they've only had one perfect season. Or no, they've had no. Were they? They weren't perfect with Bortles, right? They lost to Baylor. I. Uh, who did they? They they played in the Fiesta Bowl. Did they play Stanford or Baylor? Who they lost? UCF with Blake Bortles. Oh, I know man. they played in the Fiesta Bowl. I can't remember if it was Baylor or um, the other team I just said. But, um, yeah, that was an awesome game. The kick return after USF tied it with a minute left. Just such an unbelievable atmosphere. And it was just, it was just a, it was the night game. I remember I was just sitting my I was just sitting there watching it. And my mom and sister came in in the living room and just started watching it with me. And it was just an enjoyable game to watch with people. I, I'm going back and looking this up because I put together, uh, as I'm known to do, uh, well, not really. That's a lie. But I put together a, um, a little cheat sheet slide deck for uh, the 2010-2013 Big East Conference realignment and all the steps. One of the steps was that uh, – here we go. Um, so the whole point – and this is a little bit of a tangent here, but we're, t- we're just talking about USC, UC, or UCF, USF. Um, so, so the Big East wanted to expand. They wanted to become uh, a really big powerhouse football conference because they were kind of like the power five and a half. Like they had some mm-hmm. ranked teams, but – they didn't exactly get the exact same respect that they the SEC rough. and the Pac-10 Pac- and Big Ten and all that stuff. So uh, they wanted to expand, and so they were coming up with teams. TCU was the first team that actually agreed to join them. The, uh, spoiler alert, this all fizzled out. But they were trying to come up with more teams. One of the teams that they pitched was UCF, and they, they were a real candidate, but – uh, the president of USF refused to allow UCF to get in, and hmm. uh, they what, what they needed they needed two teams they, because they 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 decided we have to have an even amount of teams. So they they started with eight football schools, and UCF because TCU had already committed, UCF would have been the tenth. But South Florida said, no way, we refu- We hate them so much, we're not allowing them into our conference. And uh, right. so they kind of just stalled around with nine teams on the table. And then Pitt and Syracuse said, okay, this is taking forever, we're just going to the ACC. And then it started to crumble from there. So you can say that the war on I-4 was played a big part in why the Big East no longer exists as a football conference. Because they- the, 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 the hatred in that rivalry. Their rivalry, I'm looking at the wiki page right now. They do an interesting thing where they have some, where they have a trophy for the entire athletic program, like the winner. So it's based on a point system to where if you win a baseball game between UCF and USF, you get a point. If you win a basketball game, you get three points. And it adds up to six points total for every sport. So... In basketball, you play twice, so the winner of each game gets three points. In football, you only play once, so you get six points. And the team with the most, the school with the most points at the end of the school year gets a trophy. So I think that's pretty cool. I like that. That is, yeah, I like that a lot. That was an awesome game. Oh, hey, it's my pick. You want to go uh, two more each? Yeah, we need two more each. Um, 
Well, I mean, technically, you went first. If we, uh, but you know, who right. cares? This isn't that important. No, so we can go too much. Um, one of my favorite too. games, and uh, I'm gonna go through my Notre Dame victories that I've watched. Um, not many. Yeah, not many. Not many big ones. Man, if that Notre Dame USC game just went a little bit differently in 05. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go. Oh, I, I was at this game. I was at the Notre Dame USC game in 2017. This was both teams were ranked in the in the tens, 10 to 19 range. Um, if that kind of paints a picture of where we were at at that point. Um, right. So both teams were good, but they weren't really in the playoffs at that point in time. But uh, Notre Dame, and this was peak Colin Cowherd. Oh, my gosh, Sam Darnold's the best thing ever. And I, he he made me – I didn't hate Sam Darnold because of him. I mean, I hated that he went to USC, but I never, like, heard him speak or anything. I didn't, like, hate him on any personal level. But Colin Cowherd made me hate Sam Darnold, and Notre Dame – (laughs) <laughs> put up 49 points to USC's 14. And that was – and that was also kind of like an emotional game too because I was like – I had gone to Ohio State and I, I had no interest in going to Notre Dame. Aside from the fact that I couldn't get into the school, I just didn't want to go. <laughs> but it was at the point where I, I, I was like two in, two months into my college experience. So I was kind of just – you kick the tires and you think like, oh, well, what if I went to Notre Dame? And I – I, I felt like a Notre Dame student for a day. So that was pretty cool. But it's it's Notre Dame USC and Notre Dame won by 35. And they were actually both two good teams. It wasn't like USC was crap. So that was an awesome game for me to go to. Um, and then I could do I'll, – I'll give a shout out. I, w- I won't put this game in there, but I will shout out the uh, the Notre Dame – Penn State game from 06 where we just kicked the crap out of them. That was uh, that was excellent. But again, not not a competitive game here. But if you want to just watch really good football highlights, wash num, number five Washington beat Oregon seventy to twenty one in, oh, in twenty sixteen. Uh, Jake Browning had eight total touchdowns. John Ross and Dante Pettis both were fantastic at receiver. This was a true freshman first career start, Justin Herbert. Uh, he looked very talented, but he also definitely looked very raw. Uh, Royce Freeman was a running back in this game. Um, just, man, very, very, very good highlights. One of the most crisp, crisp games you'll ever see, and it came from the Washington Huskies, a team that a lot of people forget uh, made the playoffs that year with a fantastic secondary. Uh, Kevin King, I believe, is with the Packers, or at least was. Buda Baker is always changing his number with the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, when he's not getting chased down by DK Metcalf, he's making the playoffs with the Washington Huskies. That was a good Washington team, man. And they looked oh, yeah. awesome that day. Yeah, I'm telling you, those Washington teams, they had a four-year run where they were whooping ass. Um, my two games, my two final games. I guess I'll go Michigan-App State. Just – Nah. Just for the hilarity of it. Um, and then, here, yep, here's the game I want. If I say 
the 2012 game between BYU and Utah. Does that mean anything to you? The 2012 uh, which, matchup. Which year? 2012? Yeah. Um, no, Eric Weddle was already gone. Eric Weddle played both ways at Utah with her. So, so it, um, it was it was just an average game. Um, until it wasn't until the literally the final moment. It was Utah won twenty four twenty one, and they were they were up twenty four seven going into the fourth quarter. You, BYU scores two touchdowns, makes it twenty four twenty one. They had the ball with no time left, basically. They attempt um, a last second pass. It's incomplete, but they look back. The fans storm the field. And but they looked back at it, and there was still a second left on the clock, so they had to oh. take all the fans off the field. They just packed them on the sidelines, and BYU decided to kick a 51-yard field goal to try and tie it. It was blocked, but the fans stormed the field while the ball was still live. So that was a 15-yard penalty. So now that BYU is attempting a 36-yard field goal. So now the fans have stormed the field twice, and BYU still has a chance to tie it up at 36 yards, like a pretty manageable field goal. Uh, but instead, BYU banged it off the upright. Didn't so Baylor – Utah won that game three times. <laughs> Didn't Baylor and Oklahoma have a situation this year where Baylor had – like they stormed the field, but they had one more play that they had to do. So they, they just had all the fans standing on the sideline for the final play. I don't remember if it's that exact game, but I do remember that happening this past season. Because it's just such a funny visual. Yeah. That was, uh, man. What if they lose? Yeah. What's that? Like, what if they lose? What if the home team loses? Yeah, seriously. It's going to be hell getting all those kids off the field. <laughs> Dude, it took like 20 minutes. And Lincoln Riley was all hot and bothered at Dave Aranda for it. Like, like he ordered that or something. Yeah. Um, man, just when people lose, they get all all butt hurt about stuff that doesn't even matter. They just start complaining. Yeah, but, people do complain, and they always talk about how everyone needs to be a man. But yeah, whatever. Um, there's no men here. There no all men right, here. we've been going for a while. Get some trivia. Yeah, I'm about to say if you have trivia, I'm ready to go. I got go. some good ones. I got a couple uh, good ones today. I have one that I'm afraid is too easy. The other two I think are tough. I think, I think I have. Two really good trivia questions, but they may be easy. All right, here we go. I'll Let go just... first. Okay, go ahead. I'll get my uh, I'll get my easy one out of the way. I will not tell you how many teams this guy played for, but name every team Grady Sizemore played for. The Cleveland Indians, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Philadelphia Phillies, and that might be it. I, that a, I, I didn't think you would get the Red Sox. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> too easy. Too easy. I knew it. I knew it. I saw Red Sox, and I'm like, man, I don't remember that at all. DJ's not going to know. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. All right. Um, NFL. All right. Only one player in the history of football has had back-to-back 200-yard receiving games in the NFL. Who is it? Um, in our lifetimes. 
back to back two hundred yard game in our lifetime. No, it, it's it's only happened once, but it was happened in our lifetime. Okay. Um, well, it was definitely one of the good receivers. I don't think this was just some fluke. Um, well, I hope not. Now that I said that, I I know that I know that me saying that now doesn't change history, but I still think I jinxed myself one way or another. Um, I will say uh, Julio Jones has done it multiple times, but I don't think he's done it consecutively. Um, since I'm not going to use him as my answer, I hope that he hasn't done it consecutively. Uh, give me – dude, just – just because he has the record for the most yards in a single season, I'll go Calvin Johnson. We talked about this guy earlier. It is Josh Gordon. He came to my mind, but I thought that would be – I didn't think he would ask me a Brown. Now, let me – let me talk to you about – or let me tell you about this run Josh Gordon had in 2013. This four-game run he had. Let me pull up the game log, actually, because I don't have it on. So his back-to-back 200-yard games were sandwiched in between the four-game run. It was against um, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. In, that four, in those four games, he averaged – or he totaled – 36 yards, or 36 yards, 36 receptions, 774 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. He averaged nine receptions, 193 receiving yards, and 1.3 receiving touchdowns per game over a four-game stretch. Per 17 games, per 17 games, that would equate to 153 receptions, 3,290 yards, and 21 touchdowns. That's pretty incredible. From and yes, the Browns went 0 and 4 in those games. <laughs> that was the start. It actually was the start of their uh, seven game losing streak to end that year. Uh-huh. They should have beat Jacksonville and New England in that game, but they blew them both. Well, anyway. you said that there were two that you were afraid were a little bit easy. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping that the other one is easy enough for me because I don't think you're going to get the next two. Uh, we'll hmm. go here. Which SEC quarterback from last year just recently transferred to Indiana this past offseason? Uh, Connor Basilis. I can't pronounce. I can't remember his, how to pronounce his name. Uh, I'll give He's from Missouri. He's Basilic. What's it? How do you pronounce? Uh, Baselak. Yeah, Baselak. I'll give it to you. Oh man, I did not I think ran you were going to get that. Transfer portal tracker, man. I have kept up with the transfer portal every single day. Oh, that's good to know now. <laughs> I just answered. I, I not not the high step on on you, but <laughs> I like I liked how you answered those questions or asked those questions like they were going to be tough, and I just answered them immediately. Uh, well, the, like the, first, the first one yeah. I did think was too easy. I um, it was just the, whether or not you were going to get the Red Sox because I knew that you were going to get Rays, Phillies, and Indians, but. That last one, man, I did think that I was going to get it by you. I just couldn't. Uh, What's it, is his name Connor? Yeah, Connor Bazelak. Okay. I, I know it's it's spelled like Bazelak or something like that. but I completely forgotten about that. Ugh. Okay. I'm, I'm interested to see how your brain process, processes this question. 
So in 2003, college football, Michigan almost once boycotted a football game because it was moved to Friday night to accommodate a Major League Baseball playoff game that was happening, that was scheduled at the same time. Who was that Major League Baseball team? All right. Um, I don't think this is a great game, net- too. The football game, not that I don't know about the baseball game. You said they almost didn't play? They, yeah, they almost, Lloyd Carr almost boycotted the game because it was moved to a Friday night. This initially sounds like a television network issue. It doesn't sound like a location issue. It is. It was a location issue. A location. Okay. And your question was, who was the opponent? Who was the baseball team? All right. Um, well, it's got to be a team that was in the 2003 playoffs. Um, not that that. Um, man, I don't even know who Michigan, if this was a home game or an away game. It was an away uh, game. An away game. All right. Oh, man, I don't want to. I so, but, get, no, I so, I have a team in mind, but I I, I don't I don't want to sound completely lost. I I do have a team in mind that would make sense, but I do want to hear what you were going to clarify. I just I just want to clarify that you know that the reason the game got moved because they were scheduled to play at the same place at the same time. Oh, well, I do know that this team has played in a baseball field before recently, but they usually play Illinois in a baseball field, not Michigan. So I don't think it would be Michigan Northwestern in Wrigley because 2003 postseason, instantly I'm thinking uh, Bartman. (laughs) It's not the Florida Marlins, certainly. Um, let's see if that was the Cubs. What, what are the two teams you could have possibly been? Um, from the East? Well, the East was the Marlins. Okay, so we've already established that. Uh, it's, it's not going to be a West team anyway. All right, so now let's try American League. America. Oh, man, I don't. I'm I'm gonna say that this would have been if it was a playoff. You said it was a playoff baseball game. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say if it was a playoff game, that they would already be in conference mode. God, I hope. So I'm thinking that it's gonna be a Big Ten opponent. I'm thinking it was going to be at. Wrigley Field because why else would they play what the the two that shared a football stadium were Oakland and Miami and unless Michigan was traveling all the way down to Miami oh my gosh I swear to god I have no recollection of Michigan and Miami ever playing so I'm going to say it's Wrigley Field it's the Cubs 
is the Minnesota Twins. Oh, I didn't know. That makes – I didn't know that they played at the Triple H Dome. I thought, I thought you were going to get it when you started talking about conference play. I, I didn't even re- – I never realized that Minnesota played there. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Ah, uh, all right. They have well, their own stadium now, right? Yeah. In fact, the Vikings had to play in their stadium within the past decade. No, Minnesota played in the Vikings. Or, oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Because right, the Vikings right. stadium collapsed. That's right. I remember Minnesota missed that Mickey Mouse field goal in the playoffs in that stadium. Oh, Blair Walsh. Yeah. That was tough. Against Seattle. Yeah, they used to play right. in the Metrodome. Yeah. Um. All right, well, here's another one that I thought was going to be hard. Series Name- job. Yeah, name all eight teams in the NHL's Atlantic Division. Oh, brother. Um, <laughs> Christ. I don't know if I can name eight teams. <laughs> hey, Mr. Playoff Hockey, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming New Jersey is. Oh for one. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're in the metro. Which actually, now that I think about this, geez, some of the teams that are in the metro and some of these teams that are in the Atlantic do not make sense. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, uh, one team in particular is way out of place, but uh, we'll figure it out. Didn't the NHL just have, like, a mini realignment? Or am I making that up? Uh, that was only for uh, the for 2021 because the Canadian teams with the – Yeah, they had all yeah, the yeah, Canada yeah. teams in the same division. Okay, Atlantic. Um, the problem is because the Atlantic is Eastern. I know that. But some of those Canadian teams are in there. Or have to be. Yeah, the Canadian teams have to be because they wouldn't be in the metric. New York is practically in Canada. Part of it is. Um, Okay, Boston. Buffalo. Obviously not the rain. Uh, Philadelphia. No, Philadelphia would be. Yeah, yeah, because Philadelphia. I, I know Philadelphia has. I think Boston and Buffalo are for certain in the Atlantic. Okay, what Canadian teams are in the East? The Leaves, the Canadians. And I no Winnipeg's West. Where's where's Ottawa? Did you get Did you guess the Flyers yet? The Flyers? No. Okay, I because you said you said Philadelphia, and then I you did. kind of backed off, and I couldn't figure out where you ended that. I did, but I think they have like some sort of like de facto rivalry with the New York team, so that's what makes me think they're. 
the Metropolitan. <laughs> they they have to be just because of the Eagles and the Giants. Well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, the Cleveland Barons. <laughs> I'm I'm almost certain Boston and Buffalo, and then Toronto and Montreal are East in Canada, so they would be in the Eastern. So I'll say those two. You're four for five so far. Really? So I, I need three more guesses. I've only named four teams. Uh, I counted. I counted New Jersey as a guess. Okay. Well, that's fair. Okay, so Boston, Buffalo, Montreal, and uh, Toronto. Um, the Panthers, the Lightning. One more guess. I'm missing one more team. Uh, you're missing okay, two, so Boston, but you so get Boston, one more guess. Boston. I have Boston, Buffalo, Montreal, Toronto, Florida, and Tampa Bay. That's six, right? Yeah, six. You said there's eight? Mm-hmm. Shit. And and you're you're allowed one more guess because you got docked a guess for New Jersey. Yeah. So basically, I'm just trying to come up with two teams here. So yep. those not, so those answers are correct and locked in. Mm-hmm. Um. Fuck. Detroit. I don't think so. They would be with Columbus. I, I think. Ohio State, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Detroit's not very Atlantic. Neither is Montreal and Toronto, but Canada has to fit in somewhere. Shit. Um, am I missing a, am I missing a, okay, there's six Canada teams, so I'm probably missing a Canadian team. I think... I think... Vancouver is east, more eastern than Ottawa. I don't know why I know Canadian geography all that well, but apparently I do. <laughs> okay, um, final two teams. I'm going with... Fuck. Um, no, they're out west. Damn it. Um, <laughs> not the Blackhawks, I know that. <laughs> Yeah, they're in the Western Conference. Um, Vancouver and Washington. Wait, which which team did you switch up and say they're out west? Uh the Wild. Um it was Ottawa and Detroit. Damn it. Um and I will say that was um, a, I'm giving myself a pat on the back there. Yeah, you got six. You got six. Um, by the way, you said Vancouver is east of what city? Is more eastern than Ottawa. Um, I'm here to tell you, sir, Vancouver is about an hour north of Seattle. Is it really? Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. I know some. Yeah. I know Toronto and um, um, uh, Montreal were east. Yeah, I uh, I know. Toronto's like Montre- above my head, practically. Yeah, basically. Um, 
I that's don't the one know. Thing. That's the one fun fact I like telling people. At the top of the Millennium Force at Cedar Point, you can see Canada. Really? Oh, that's so cool. You can kind of, you can sometimes you can depending on visibility, but yeah, you can see cloud coverage. Yeah. Okay. Your final question. Oh, here see. we go. Yeah, you know, know it's a ranking in order question. I know, I know what's coming. We're going baseball, all time hits. Obviously, rank them in order. Ichiro, Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds. Oh, and we're obviously not counting Ichiro's Japanese hits because he's an <laughs> all-time leader, if that was the case. I do not know if Barry Bonds has 3,000 hits. I don't know. Um, I mean, I would totally believe you if you said he did. I'd believe you if you told me Barry Bonds did anything. Yeah, I'd believe you if you told me he had 3,500 hits. But also, uh, there are a lot of walks mixed in there. Sure was. Which, I mean, those are like free singles, but those don't count as hits, obviously. OBP, baby. I'm going to say Barry Bonds just fell shy. Well, it doesn't matter because... I mean, Ichiro is like 3,100. This isn't like a 3,000 game. I'll say Ichiro number one. Uh, huh. Wow. I was just like a week or two ago looking at this list, but I was more so focusing on active players. I can tell you that, well, I mean, Robinson Cano just got cut, so I guess he's not active anymore, but he's a free agent. Um, but he's the active leader who doesn't already have 3,000 hits. He's the next closest. Right. Um, I wish that was the – well, that question wouldn't have helped me because he just – he's not a – um, Ichiro won. Man, I'm really banking on – because Barry Bonds played a long time. A long time. I'm really banking on those walks really eating into those that hit total. Fun fact, Barry Bonds and Tom Brady went to the same high school. In California. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that. Because for some reason I was having a mental debate with myself about modern-day high school. And I was like, oh, Tom Brady. For some reason I thought Tom Brady went there, but he didn't. No, all the USC quarterbacks go there. Matt Liner, Matt Barkley, Carson Palmer. Yeah. Uh, Ichiro won. I know A-Rod has 3,000 hits for a fact. Because uh, he hit, in every Yankee fashion ever, he hit it. He hit a home run. Yeah, didn't Jeter do that? Yeah, he hit it off David Price. By the way, the Jeter doc is pretty good. Have they gone to the episode where it's him and A-Rod yet? That's the only episode I really want to watch. I, have, I really want to watch it. I've only watched the first two, but... I think I think that it has aired. I just haven't watched it. Um, I just want to more know more about their rivalry with Boston during that time. But anyway, no, it's good. To, all right, you know what? I'm taking too long. Ichiro, A. Rod, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds did not have three thousand hits. Just to confirm. Let's go. So he's last. However, Alex Rodriguez had more than Ichiro. Really. 
3,115 for A-Rod, 3,089 for Ichiro. Oh, my gosh. Barry Bonds had 2,935. Uh, uh, <laughs> gosh darn it. Well, folks. This was a long podcast, but the only reason it was that long until we had a good time entertaining ourselves. Um, look, man, we're just getting ready for football season. So Tomorrow, baby. Candle yeah, Ohio. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I will be... Who's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, I, I'm going to be co-hosting tomorrow because our main host is... Uh, is uh, He's going to be in Canada for Dick Vermeil. Um, what time? What time are you going on? I'll give it a listen. 10 a.m. Central. Central. Um, okay, so 11. I'm definitely uh, up. Yeah. By then. <laughs> I'll, I'll toss you the number for the text line, and you can just send in goofy crap. Good. Uh, um, I'm gonna need Cardinals a new sign for you for the, te- for the text line too. We always have goofy nicknames on the text line. Uh, <laughs> so you can uh, you can give I'm us your hot takes. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you something so absurd, but it's gonna make it seem like I'm being genuine. Well, when it comes from a two one six area code, I'll know. I hope you know. <laughs> NFL. Uh, Last year was a great. Uh, Richard Seymour, uh, Bryant Young, who's a Notre Dame guy. It was basically just the class of all of the guys who were waiting to get in for like a decade, and then they just found yeah, no Clay one Matthews. to put above them. Um, Brian, you know, Sam, one boy Clay Matthews, Sam Mills, uh, who was a linebacker for the who's dead. Uh, he, I, I put some emphasis on that. He um, for the Saints, linebacker for the Saints in the eighties. Yeah, this is a weak class. It really is. Tony Baselli. Yes, I'm happy for him because he's the first Jaguar and he's an offensive lineman. Uh, I enjoy when offensive linemen get excited, get uh, yeah. get people excited. Leroy Butler, Art McNally, Sam oh, Hill, yeah. Richard Seymour. Leroy Butler, been, he's been a cast off for how many years. Dick Bryant Young. Go yeah, this is a weak class. Compared to last year, last year's class was a murderer's row. Was that Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson? It was Peyton Manning. It was Alan Fanica. Yeah, Fanica. Um, Peyton Manning, Megatron. Uh, I think Lynch. Did Jordan Lynch go last year? John, John Lynch. John Lynch. Yeah, not, not Jordan Lynch. John Lynch. <laughs> yeah, I hope Jordan Lynch didn't make it. Jo- Jordan yeah, Lynch was... couldn't even make it with the Michigan Panthers. Oh, um, it was Woodson and then Drew Pearson, John John Lynch, Bill Nunn, and Tom Flores. But Megatron, Peyton Manning, John Lynch, Charles Woodson, Drew Pearson, that's a and Alec Fanica. Uh, Drew Pearson just kind of bitched his way into the Hall of Fame by making a big spectacle. Apparently, everybody in Dallas wears 88. That's the one number that doesn't get retired. It's like LSU was seven. 
Yeah. Well, college is different. Cause... 20... Curious who's up for 2023 now. By the way, is Zach Harrison going to be good this year? Yes or no? Because um, I'm hearing about him going, getting drafted in the top 10 all over again. I hope. I mean, like, I sincerely hope, but I really like Tuiamolo and Jeff Sawyer. I really like those two. They're going to have quite the rotation on the defensive line. Oh, yeah, and they, go, they both got a year under their belt. The, I think, yeah. I, I like Zach Harrison, but I I would prefer to see more Tuiamolo and Sawyer. Next year's a great class, eligible. Or first-time eligible players. Hit me with it. Cam Chancellor. No way. Don't even get excited for that. I, it's, just, it's, it's a good list of names because we're finally reaching the point where the guys we grew up with are starting to go into the Hall of Fame. Well, I do appreciate that. Yeah, so Cam Chancellor, Jahari Evans is an offensive lineman. I don't remember him. Jari. Uh, oh, my gosh. Is that the Saints guy? No, is it no. Jari Evans? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him at all. Th- that guy is the Nick Swisher of the Pro Football Hall of Fame ballot. Oh, boo! <laughs> hey, hey, Swisher was on the ballot for one year. Yes, he was. Bro, remember when Troy Hawkins think. got a vote? <laughs> Dude has like a career four seven ERA. <laughs> the closing anyway. pitcher. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Matt Forte. Probably not. Oh, stop. Yeah. Dwight Freeney. Yeah, possibly. James Harrison. No, but I wish he would. Defensive player of the year one time. Yeah. Chris Johnson. No. I think he's going to get in, but he shouldn't. Carson um, Palmer. He better not. No, no. But no, no way. Carson Palmer, one of the great guys who aged very well. He was very the good next- with the Cardinals. The next two, the final two, are guaranteed first ballot. Okay. Darrell Revis. Yes. Joe Thomas. Yes. No doubt. And, uh, oh, my, oh, my gosh, dude. If you that's think a, America that's loves – That's a fun list of names. I think Dwight Freeney, James Harrison are going to get in. Revis and Thomas for sure. I could see Chris Johnson backdooring his way in there. No, 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 no. He did not last long enough. I could see it. I mean, Megatron didn't last that long. Yeah, but he was, like, really good for the entirety of his career. Let's see. Let's Chris see. Johnson. Let's Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson was, like, on the Cardinals hey, as a third-string running back. Chris Johnson, I mean, his prime was pretty damn good. He finished with – It was one season. He had a – his first one, two, three, four, five, six years in the NFL, he had over 1,000 rushing yards. That's not in that enough. Time, in that time, he averaged 1,327 yards and 8.3 touchdowns per season. I think he's a first-round draft pick. It was he and Forte. Uh, I think Chris Johnson was. I don't remember about Forte. But for his career, Chris Johnson had 9,651 rushing yards, 55 touchdowns, 2,225 receiving yards, 9 touchdowns. He had that 2,000-yard rushing season. That's going to hold. That's going to be that's big on the resume. Six seasons does not make a career. 
All right, let's go over to Calvin Johnson. I agree, Johnson. but I, I'm just I'm preparing you for the thought that he's going to backdoor his way in here. Jeez. Well, Calvin Johnson's not much better now that I look at it. But now I got to look at Matt Forte. Calvin Johnson had 1600, 1900, and almost 1500. Matt Forte's stats are like identical, so they may both. But I feel like oh, would you? No, they might not both. I'm I'm agreeing with you that they shouldn't be Hall of Famers. But I, I can I am envisioning Chris Johnson is going to get in. No. I'm, what a can can Chancellor. Do I am I just misremembering I mean, his career? His his stats aren't gonna mean anything. I know, I'm just I'm just looking at page though. Like I'm gonna look up uh, is Cam Chancellor Hall of Famer and that's where my Professional that's where boxer, my opinion will lie. Professional boxer Adrian Peterson has Almost 1,500 yards, and he led the league rushing three times. Like, come on. <laughs> These guys aren't Adrian Peterson. Led the league in the yards per ha- game four times. Chancellor, Dark Horse Hall of Fame candidacy. He's a very, very, very long shot, this article says. Now, you can't just light a bunch of people up and – just get your way into the Hall of Fame because people like I think like he would it. probably – the reason he would get in is – and it's a bore, bullshit reason he would get in, but – Because of Legion of Boom. Yeah. Just because, because of the because, impact of them. Because he had a – because his unit had a name, so therefore the they're getting his – He was the enforcer of that team or that group. Yeah. I'll tell you Dude. who will get in from, from that defense is Bobby Wagner. He is – get yeah. his bust ready. I wonder what Richard Sheen – or Richard Sherman – I think he would. I think he has because he has a couple all first team all pros under his belt. Yeah, but you need more than just a couple. Let's see. You got to no, be like not. one of the. His three time. All right, he's got Still five going, all so. pros, which is really good. But he also. He he kind of faded quickly. Yeah, he had that Achilles, I think, in San Francisco that killed him. If they start rewarding short careers, then he'll get it. Yeah, I mean. But, like San Francisco, he had two seasons there with. I I don't even know how to. He was fine. He was fine in San Francisco. I remember him being decent. How do I like even, I don't even know how to read stats. <laughs> like for defensive players. Like what does this tell me? I know. I you nothing. can't. Defensive players are all eye test to me. Like, do I, just have, do I just have to sit around and wait for pro football focus to tell me if he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'm just waiting for Chris Collinsworth to tell me. Yeah, uh, basically. Pro football focus. Five games. Uh, uh, Richard Sherman is not getting into the Hall of Fame because he let Cooper Cup run rough shot on him in, against the Rams last year. <laughs> It's fair. I, I, I'm, I'm fair. That's very fair. Yeah, people forget that Richard Sherman was on the Buccaneers. <laughs> Richard, I think Richard Sherman is going to get in, and I, he may be in first ballot. Uh, no, I don't think. I'm, first, di- I'm, go- I'm If it were me, I would not vote him first ballot. Just because I still think the Hall of Fame should mean something. And he is, he's a Hall of Famer, I think. 
just based off the impact he had and how good he was. But, I mean, you have to... Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard. It's just so hard. I, I think and I hope that these voters have more of a backbone than that than to allow him to just kind of waltz in there. Yeah. Uh, dude, I don't like guys who don't age well. I really don't. I don't like guys who were really good for five years and then kind of you didn't know their name for the next five. Like, right. Uh, like, Darrell Rebus, like, those last few years, he uh, – well, you know what? I, I, I might be full of crap on Rebus, but as far as Sherman goes – Think Matthew Stafford's gonna be a Hall of Famer? No, and I'm glad you brought him up. No, look, I don't know. I think that he was mistreated okay. in Detroit. Yeah, but we also have to acknowledge that he went to the best roster in the NFL. That one of the best rosters that we've seen in the NFL in our lives, and what the Rams had surrounding the quarterback position. So let's not pretend like he willed that team to the Super Bowl and did some sort of Herculean performance that no one else could have done except for, like, Tom Brady. Like, come on. Uh, what if he gets one more Super Bowl? Uh, that for will... sure. Yes. He's, already, he's already top 12 all-time passing yards. He's going to pass John Elway. Ah, that's a generational thing. What do you mean? Being top 12 passing yards. Sure. I mean, he's five yards away from 50,000, though. And only one, Dude, and only 11 I, I, players I, I, have done that. All my friends pay attention to is career total. They think Matt Ryan's going to be a Hall of Famer. He should. He's what? For, for Matt what? Ryan's he's, awesome. No, he's not. He's just existed for a long time. <sighs> Long, longevity, I understand. I was just getting on these guys for not having enough longevity. But I don't think longevity should be the main argument of your – if that's the number one argument for you being in the Hall of Fame, well, look at his career totals. I think that's a I, – I think it's a bad argument, especially in the throwing era that we are in. He's going to have the stats, though. That's the problem. He's already almost at 60,000. He's at 367 touchdowns. He hit, he had a, from 2011 to 2020. He had through 4,000 plus yards every season with a 67 percent completion percentage, which is pretty damn good. Like I, one, one of these days, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna make my own website where I keep stats. Where I'm, I'm gonna come up with a metric to gauge this this ridiculous era that we're in. And so that way, Matt Ryan doesn't all of a sudden be viewed as a better quarterback all time than like a, I don't know, like a Dan Fouts or something. I don't. Well, uh, those two are. Those may those may have been too similar, like a like a Joe Namath. Yeah, Troy Aikman. Yeah. Right. You look but, at his their totals are awful. All right, you may have just given me a topic for tomorrow's radio show. Actually, that's uh, I appreciate that. Because we got a, I think for our radio show tomorrow, we got a half hour 
me and the other producer are going to do a half hour by ourselves. And then the main host is going to call in from Canton for the second half hour. Oh, and then, then on Thursdays, we have like a local restaurant of the week. So we get fed for the last hour and just talk about local St. Louis sports and local St. Louis restaurants. So I won't, I don't have to bring food tomorrow. That's awesome. There you go. So Thursdays are the best days. But we, uh, with this, the Hall of Fame, we can, uh, th- that'd be a good one. I, uh, you may have just, just helped me out a little bit. Glad to help. Glad, glad we had this talk. Yes. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll toss you the link and you can turn us on and I'll give you the, the phone number for the text line. You can chime in with a bunch of hot takes. I'm, just, I'm going to be, form, I'm trying to formulate a hot take here. It'll be uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. your time, I guess. Or I guess the the, real, the 11 a.m. to 11.30 is going to be your prime time. Does St. Louis only have one pro sports team right now? No, we have the Blues. Oh, yeah. Uh, the XFL just came back. <laughs> um, Cardinals, Blues, uh, Mizzou football. Um, if it was before the trade deadline, I would have texted in they should trade Albert Pujols. <laughs> you would not have been the only person to text that in, I <laughs> promise you. Uh, the... <laughs> Time Robinson Cano. <laughs> uh, honestly. I'm surprised that hasn't been floated yet. They don't. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Nolan Arenado keeps monkeying around with this opt-in shit. I don't want him back. That's my take. Uh, there is growing and growing concern that uh, amongst Cardinals fans that Arenado is going to opt out because beautiful. They <laughs> well, they might miss the playoffs. They're currently tied for the last wild card spot. Yeah. The Padres added every good player ever. So, so did the Phillies. The Phillies that, added that's uh, Bryce they Harper. Out today that Bryce Harper's potentially going to come back. I got my eye on the Phillies. And they got Cinder. Cindergard was another guy that the Cardinals fans right. were looking for. And he went to Philadelphia, who they are currently tied with for the last wild card spot. No mm. one's catching Atlanta. No. Nah. Uh, Atlanta's going to have the number one wild card. Well, you know, San Diego might. But whoever wins the East, the well, second, the, nobody's catching the second place team. The Cardinals and the Brewers are in the exact same spot. Either they're going to get the last spot in the wild card or they're going to be the division winners because that's kind of how it's shaken out. The Brewers decided to sell a little bit, so may, yeah. may just win the division. Uh, maybe. I don't know why they – I don't know. Your St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, still my Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, – we um, They're playing baseball out here. Yeah, we're uh oh man, we've really hit the skids lately. We are in bad huh. shape. The Pirates? Yeah, yeah. It, it's gotten it went from bad to worse over the past couple weeks. Hey, he traded Vogelbach, and now he's hitting grand slams for Steve Cohen. And Tyler Naquin's on that team. Another reason for me to love the Mets. <laughs> yeah, he got traded out of Ohio. Sad. All right. Uh, we Reds have been a third place. The Reds what? The Reds are in third place. Yeah, although they did just trade Brandon Drury, who was one of their better players yeah. on the team. And Mally, Molly, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, they traded him to Minnesota, which isn't, doesn't do you yeah, any favor. Yeah, that sucked. 
<laughs> uh, like five and twenty, or like three and twenty-five, or something ridiculous like that. Who won the Ohio Cup this year? Um, you know, you know, <laughs> eight years in a row. Oh, there was yeah. one card. There was one Cardinals fan who kept texting us all week long, wanting Shane Bieber so badly. They may get him in the off season. We'll see. Oh, are, is he? How old is he? Is he not? He's, he, he's in, he was a late. He got a late start, so he's in his late twenties. Uh, he might he might be twenty nine, honestly. But uh, he had a pretty decent start today. That's always disheartening when I he's look at somebody. Because my mind, and this is what our generation has trained me to do, I'm always looking for record breakers. And then when I find somebody like an Aaron Judge, and they just come up and yeah, wreck 35. shop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you see that 26 next to their name in their rookie year, you know that no matter how good they are, they'll never, uh, they'll never be the all-time record holder that you hope that they 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 become. Beaver is 27, and he has, I think, yeah, he has two more years of control after this one. So, are you guys looking to deal him in the off season? The the report came out. That they were listening to offers, but it would have to be a significant package. And that is the exact same phrase that they used when those talks surrounded Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer. The exact same thing. They said the exact same thing. That they weren't actively shopping him, but they're listening. And whenever they do that, they always, almost always deal him. So I don't think they want to pay him because he's going to want big money. And Sportrack says his market value is $11 million. I don't think they're hmm. going to want him. Well, Especially for his age. Uh, well, look. I, I man, I don't, I don't watch sports the same way I used to. And because of that, I sometimes get bogged down by the just recycling takes that I had two or three years ago. But I still, think, I still think Shane Bieber's awesome, even though this good. year is not his no, best year. Good. What's that? He's good. Like he's a good pitcher, but that Cy Young year was ninety-five percent spider tag. Oh, oh, I did forget about that. Oh, the Cy Young year that with the Mickey Mouse on it. It was. I mean, let, let's not let's not kid ourselves. He was untouchable unless it was against the Yankees in the playoffs. He was untouchable that season, but it was thanks to spider track. Still really. That was, yeah. The, the Ohio cup took over the Cy Young awards that year. What's that? I said the Ohio cup. Took oh over yeah. The Beaver Cy and uh, Bauer. <laughs> yeah. Trevor Bauer. Uh, I don't know how you can see it any other way. Trevor Bauer. Wasn't that uh, wasn't that his quote when somebody said, "Are you the Cy? Do you think that you are the Cy Young?" And he goes, "I don't see how you can see it any other way." I agree with him. He was the same way. He was untouchable. Even that playoff game he started, he was untouchable. But the Reds just refused to score. Didn't they lose like one nothing to the Marlins? Extra innings. Uh, the Braves. It was extra innings. Oh that, yeah, that's right. I think he I remember uh, shut out innings and they lost one nothing. That's tragic. I uh, I remember pretty good in the playoffs. He pitched he pitched the first half of a doubleheader 
And it was, it was seven. He pitched a seven inning complete game, and uh, he McGregor walked off the yep. mound, and, <laughs> and then gave like the most awkward dap ever to his catcher. But uh, he, oh my gosh, dude, the Trevor Bauer song. He hasn't been a bad playoff pitcher, to be honest. No, nothing will be better. <laughs> nothing. Oh. Goodness. Will ever be better than him uh, launching that ball across the center field fence and coffins? That was funny. That was so funny. <laughs> Last moment in a Cleveland Indians uniform. Did he get traded immediately after that? Um, it was either a day or two because the trade deadline was coming up. I was actually at the game the night he got traded, and he got traded maybe two minutes after the game ended. Garrett Cole just shoved it up our ass. It was painful. <laughs> who was the uh, who was the third team in in that trade deal? San Diego. That's where we got Fran Mill, Fran Mill, and Logan Allen. Logan Allen. I think Gabriel Rise. I can't remember because we had fleeced the Padres twice already. Where did Yasiel Puig come from? The Reds. You don't remember that? That wait, night? Oh, wait. Wait, he went to the Indians? Yeah. Oh, that's Just right. Them too. I remember he... Uh, oh, he was going to go to the Braves that season. But... Uh, because Nick Markakis, who was their starting outfielder, he... Uh, Nick Markakis, I think, started the 2019 All-Star game for the National League. So he was good. But he uh, he backed out of that season due to COVID, and so they were going to bring in Yasiel Puig, but then he failed his COVID test upon his signing, so they immediately released him and backed yeah. out of that. <laughs> uh, but the night he got traded to Cleveland was the night he decided to fight everybody. Yes, and pit against Pittsburgh. It was literally five minutes after he got traded. I saw a tweet on my way home from the Indians game. It's like, um... Yasiel Puig's no longer a Cincinnati Red, but he's fighting the other team in a Reds uniform right now. It's like, oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, that was a little bit dangerous out on a player. It's funny. The Pirates. Um, oh, by the way, if you want to go check out a great baseball fight, go look up White Sox-Tigers 2000. There were uh, stops and starts in that fight, and that was – uh, that was some AL Central hatred right there. I Speaking of AL Central hatred, there was a good fight between Gary Sheffield and Fausto Carmona, a.k.a. Roberto Hernandez. <laughs> oh, I got to look this up. When he was in Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, Trevor Bauer threw 7.2 shutout innings in that game, gave up two hits, 12 strikeouts. <laughs> Nails. Lost one nothing. We had him start game one in 2016 and 2017. Game one of the ALDS. I, I always forget that that it wasn't Corey Kluber who started those games. Was 17... All right, hold on. ALDS. Yeah, 17 was the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, was it Blue Jays and then Rangers or Rangers and then Blue Jays? Uh, 2016. 2016 was Boston first. Didn't you guys play the... Ra- no, Rangers. Toronto and Texas. It was Toronto and Texas and us versus Boston in the ALDS. And then um, oh. 
That's right, yeah. because what's his face? Uh, Jose Bautista threw the bat. What's that? Jose Bautista, wasn't that in the playoffs when he did yeah. that? That's right, and you played Toronto. ALDS, so elimination game. That's why it was so awesome. Yeah, a three-run tank. All right, I got a Gary Sheffield, Fausto. Keep up. Let's see. In 2016, he pitched four point in game one against Boston. He pitched 4.2 innings, three runs. I think two, yeah, two home runs. So, whatever. Still won that game. And then 2017, he had 6.2 innings pitch, gave up zero runs, eight strikeouts. I think he had a no-hitter going through five in that game. All right, I'm watching Gary Sheffield's taking a slow walk to first base. All right, Fausto Carmona's talking to him. Oh, Gary Sheffield's almost at first base, and he's still holding the bat. Yup. Uh, these these uniforms are just from a different place in time. Oh, yeah, they were. Gary Sheffield is on first base with the bat in under his armpit. Fausto Carmona. Andy Van Slyke, the first base coach. Shout out. Wait. I don't know. Shout out. He was a three-time All-Star with the Pirates. Ah. Oh, Victor Martinez. What's up, dude? Remember when he was like 40 years old and almost won the MVP as the DH at the Tigers? Yeah, he was good, too. Switch in. Oh. I this fight. Here we go. I like this new feature YouTube added where it shows the most replayed on like the little time scroll. Oh my gosh, wait. Carmona and Sheffield started fighting after a pickoff attempt? Yep. Well, I think the pickoff attempt was to kind of like, hey, quit fucking looking at me. <laughs> but Carmona was throwing bombs. This is, Oh, this is excellent. Wait, did you guys have Edward Mojica on your team? I don't remember him. Who's Perez, number 53? It might be Chris Perez. Oh. I think he's like number 88 or something. No, I think he was 53, honestly. I don't even remember. This was 2008, so let me look that up. Oh, Victor Martinez, he's getting into fights with somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, Miguel Cabrera is trying to be a nice guy. Dang it. I, I hate those people. Scrap. Pitcher, 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 Perez, Perez. Rafael Perez, excuse me. Man, this lineup stunk. Man, I, I hate how offended uh, announcers sound whenever there's a fight. Like, oh, oh, this is just, oh, well, this is just the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and everybody in their living room is calling everybody in the house, get in here, Look, check out what's going on on the TV. Get in here, fucking call the army, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I can't say, any announcer who does that, and they all do it. Yeah. This is the worst thing I've ever seen as I turn around and watch a UFC fight. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I... I still want to be at a game where there's a brawl, like a like a real brawl, not ben, Brent, benches clearing, 
the dugouts are like kind of like, oh, should we come out here? Uh, they get halfway and it's like, ah, oh, thing's over, and they turn back. I want to. <laughs> I've seen an ejection. I've seen a streaker. Really? Yeah, like like yeah. I saw dick and balls that night. I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> Where was that? Which game was that? It was an Indians game. I can't. I can't remember what when it was. <laughs> Why is this a five? I don't. I don't. I don't think this needs to be a five minute video. Oh, these oh got replay. Are... Back when they weren't afraid afraid to show replays of fights. Yeah. Get up close in there, watch Faso Carmona throw bombs on Gary Sheffield's dome. This kind of looks like Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura. He's got him in a headlock. Except the young man whooped the old man's ass. <laughs> yeah. Gary Sheffield, oh, by the way. Right in the head. Really good. Oh, Victor Martinez came in with a vengeance. Oh, yeah, that's my catcher. And Brandon Inge tackled him. That's my former favorite player of all time. Brandon Inge? Victor Martinez. Oh. I was going to say, Brandon Inge was like a catcher moved to third base. Yeah. I was Victor Martinez fan because he was a catcher and he wore 41 like me. And then he got traded like two years after I figured out who he was. So I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then Carlos Santana was the same exact thing. Catcher wore 41. Yeah, he was. after. And I'm like, okay, I like this guy now. And I still do. Man, uh, Jahani Peralta was your shortstop. St. Louis legend. Yeah, all star in St. Louis. Um, Victor Victor Martinez went to the Red Sox, didn't he? After the yeah, he got traded to the Red Sox. Then came back to the division. He was um, man. I'm trying to figure out how this went because he was the DH. All right, Victor Martinez was the DH in Detroit always. And then Miggy was first base. But then Prince Fielder came, and then he went from first to third. And then Prince Fielder went to Texas, and then Miggy went back to first base. Yes. I do remember I that. Think, I think they traded Prince Fielder for Ian Kinsler. They Almost sure. a one-for-one. One. I think it was a one-for-one. One. Something – so here, here – a YouTube video just got recommended to me. It's – a replay of the 1979 national championship between Delaware and Youngstown State, and I'm absolutely going to watch all of this. <laughs> yeah, the, it's going to be all of the greatest college FBS coaches of all time from for the 90s and 2000s are all going to be on that staff for Youngstown State. I promise you. Oh, my God. I love the way they do the lineups here. They just got all these goofy ass white dudes with the biggest smiles, just like looking at. Yes, them. yes. I uh, because I saw. It looks like introduced the... to a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, it does. Because I watched Pitt in Georgia that Sugar Bowl, and they did it the exact same way. They were all they. They looked like they were smiling for a theme song, like okay. a, like a like Full House or something. Delaware with the wing. T- oh yeah, I forgot. I think Del- Delaware like invented the wing tee. That's why this got recommended to me. <laughs> You've been watching a lot of wing tee videos. Oh, my hero. He invented the wing tee. Like Delaware is the breeding ground of the wing tee offense. Oh yeah, I'm watching all of this, baby. This is football. You better believe it is. 
Oh God, it's such a beautiful. The Bucks sweep is just the best play of all time. The Bucks sweep. Oh my God, yes, this is great. This is my night. <laughs> I'm gonna text the other producer and see what we're doing tomorrow for the show. We're gonna recap the 1979 Youngstown State versus Delaware National Championship. Refs were so weird back then. Yeah. The way they moved just seems like they're in a cartoon. Great uniform matchup, too. Delaware has Delaware is just the University of Michigan. They're blue and yellow, and they have the wing helmets. Yeah, they uh, – who – do we know who did it first out of those two? I would assume Michigan. I wouldn't doubt it. This is the one that we had a scoreboard on the screen at all times. Oh, my gosh. I would go. Pat Pat McAfee posted a video on Instagram, so I bet he did it on Twitter, too, of the guy who got a picture with the owner of the Pirates. Yeah. And he's the the kid is wearing like a like a button up shirt, and he unbuttons it, and his shirt underneath it says "Sell the team," and he gets a picture with the Pirates owner with that. Love it. I gotta see this picture now. God damn it! <laughs> that is funny for the Yinzers. Mm-hmm. All right. God, there's so much motion and shit in this offense, and I love it. They're whooping this team's ass. All right, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, all right. Well, uh, we will reconvene next week. We may reconvene tomorrow morning. Who knows? Uh, I will uh, give you the phone number to text. Even if you don't listen, you can still just text random sports uh, sports stuff. Hell yes. All right, uh, so we are out of here, and oh, we have the first hour tomorrow. Me and the other guy does. Um, all right, sweet. So, all right, we'll be out of here. Uh, we'll be, we'll give you guys an update on what, what goes on on the radio tomorrow. Uh, and but guys, the football season starts tomorrow. All right, uh, I I do not encourage you to bet on it, but I know some of I- you. Uh, including one person on this call right now will be doing that, but that's all I have to say. Me in the sports book. That's how I'm seeing it. Yeah, right, just a little fr- friendly engagement, a little rendezvous after a l- long time away. Taking the Raiders minus two and a half. That's the play. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'm heading out of here. DJ's heading out of here, and we will see you all next week. Everybody take care. Today was a great draft. Yes. Peace. Peace.